This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Well, it looks like everything is falling apart in California. We'll talk about the latest on their situation, uh, the financial situation, which is resulting in some very interesting things happening. But first, we go to your phone calls. Dave in New York, you're on Free Talk Live. Evening, fellas. Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Dave? I wanted to give you the outcome to my court case. I read a letter that I wrote to the judge on air, and I believe some, in September. I had like uh, six charges, a suspended license, and uh, one of them was for swearing in front of a police officer. Mm-hmm. Do you recall the case? I do recall, and I recall the letter being very lengthy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, they made me go to court three different times, uh, didn't resolve the case to the third time, and because I brought my grandfather with me, who knows the judge personally, I guess my great-grandmother babysat for him, mm-hmm. they dropped six out of the seven charges. And even though I owed them $290, they took the $250 bail and then settled everything for 250 So you'd already paid the bail, and they just called it a wash? Yep, basically. even though I already owed them 290 from two tickets that were at least between two and five years Prior to these current charges. So what you're so saying I, is nice the letter. Friends. So right. So what you're saying is that yeah. the letter didn't do anything, but essentially nepotism did. Well, he. I think it was a combination because my grandfather softened him up. He actually read the letter, and then by the time he was done scanning through it, he didn't read it in detail. He uh, basically did what I asked and dropped it down to uh, one charge of running through a stop sign. And then the payment of the two original tickets, which doesn't really make sense because that should total more than 250 But he made it 250 bucks, and then let me go. Now my license is fine and everything. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised. willing. I'm, I'm not quite ready to believe that the letter had anything to do with it, other than um, you know, so either. A, a lot of times in a sales meeting, they you, you give the client a piece of paper to kind of you know settle them down while you talk to them about uh, whatever it is that you're you know give them the opportunity to think and and uh, talk to them about the you know thing that they're going to buy and and that kind of thing. Piece of paper, just some place for people to look while they think. Mm-hmm. So did you say yeah, the they DA did? was smirking kind of? I mean, he was. Uh... He thought it was funny that the judge was letting me off with basically nothing. Did you say that they deducted uh, they deducted what you owed them out of your bail, essentially, and you were flush? They dropped six tickets, and one of them was a misdemeanor. One was a violation for – or one was disorderly conduct. What was one they was, dropped uh, on that, though? They were all real heavy charges. They dropped six tickets, and then they took my two original tickets and gave me a failure to stop and – somehow made that only 250 bucks when it should have been at least 290 plus the one charge for failure to stop. So what advice right. do you have for people who are facing tickets right now? Well, I guess if you're related to uh, somebody who babysat and lived in the same neighborhood as your judge, you're okay. But Make sure you that, yeah. Other than that, you're SOL. Great, so. Dave. Thanks for the uplifting message tonight. <laughs> Thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Sean in Indiana. Sean, you're on the air on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, Sean. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, this is Sean. Um... I want to know if you guys have heard about the Million Gun Owner March on Washington, D.C. in I have 2010. Not heard, of, heard about it today. 2010? Yeah. Okay. It's a long well, way Well, they're off. shooting, well, no pun intended, but they're shooting for <laughs> uh, 
spring of 2010 uh, million gun owner march on Washington, D.C. And are, well, now hold on a second. Now, are the gun owners actually going to carry weapons, or are they just going to march in D.C.? That was my first question. Well, actually, I'm not real sure about that. I just heard about this uh, yesterday. I would say probably the latter. Yeah, well, they're still deciding all that. They have a website up, if I can plug the website. Sure, yeah, go ahead. It's, uh... Uh, let me pull it up here real quick. Okay. So, some sort of million gun owner march happening in 2010. Uh, will they follow the rules of the Park Service, like the last group of people that we were talking about that was organizing, a, what was it, a hunger strike in D.C.? And the hunger strikers were going to really stick it to the feds and <laughs> get some uh, media, media coverage. And then the feds told them, whoa, whoa, you can't camp out in our parks you're gonna have to sorry about that we're not just not gonna allow you to do this and so they just backed right down and canceled their protest yeah well this this just really got started about two days ago but they do have a website up it's uh milliongunownermarch.com and right now the guy that's organizing he's really uh, like you know he's like rabidly pro second amendment so i don't think he's going to go in there unarmed and if he doesn't go in there unarmed, I don't think any of his followers are going to. If he goes in, uh, if he goes in armed, it's unlikely he's going to come out. Uh, <laughs> so I, I worry well, about that yeah. a little bit. I'm not sure. I, well, I, yeah, I love the idea of sticking to him and, and breaking the rules. There's but. not really a lot they can do to him. That's true. <laughs> oh, they'll just take the ones in front. They, the feds do not believe for a second that those people are going to do anything. And I don't believe they are either. I don't, I don't think they, they go will. with the intention. I think the feds yeah. will just take take the ringleaders, you know, round them up, put them in jail for a while. I mean, that could be a conspiracy charge. Yeah, that could be a conspiracy charge, you know, conspira- uh, conspiring to get a group of people to engage in civil disobedience against the federal government. I don't know. I'm sure that could make, make something yeah. of cons- conspiracy yeah. to Cons- disobey. Uh, yeah, conspiracy to uh, enforce the Constitution. Conspiracy of disorderly <laughs> conduct. Hey, thank you for the call tonight, and I, I am on that website, and it's awful. It's uh, very, <laughs> it looks very, really plain. Very plain, so, very basic. So I'm sure that will inspire websites. a million people to go march on Washington oh, I and think break you the can gun get these, laws there. I think you can get some of the, uh, I don't know about breaking the gun laws. I no. think you can get some people to go. I don't to know, be fair, the guy, ju- the guy yeah. jumped the gun. Uh, this website's not supposed to launch until tomorrow. Okay. So to be fair to them. All right. But uh, you shouldn't be calling anybody and telling anybody anything about your website until it's actually online. No, not, just, it's not his website. Yeah, first impressions How do you find out about it? I don't know. How, how do you find out about it if it's not his website? I don't know. Somebody told mm-hmm. him. Whoever it was that told him should have kept their mouth shut until February 6th. <laughs> they actually launched their site, mm-hmm. then start mentioning it to people. Anyway, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Let's talk to Dawn, ladies first, listening to KBYO in Louisiana. Hello. Hey, Dawn. You're how on the you? air. Hey there. Yeah, I wanted to comment about your first caller and his ticket. Yeah. I think that's rather disgusting. I think he should have uh, obeyed the laws and not got the ticket. Well, now, come on. Are, are you telling me uh, that you, you obey? you come to a full and complete stop in front of those big red octagonal signs? Um, I mean, when I say a full and complete stop, I mean, do you come to a full stop and then the car rocks back and then you go? <laughs> yes, you stop. I, I understand stop, it's a good idea stop. to stop. If you go, you go. Well, have, you, have you ever uh, you sped, know what? Don? You know what? I, uh, let me tell you this, though. Yeah, tell me. If he... If he, children, he would be talking just like I am right now. Oh, I have I have a child, and what I say is that if you conduct your car in a safe manner, then it doesn't really matter whether you come to a full stop at a stop sign. 
Right. Okay. The laws are not so, the arbiter so now, of safety. That's only yeah, there so, so, now I've yeah, given, that's, so now I've given birth, and there. therefore there, my he, voice he just, means more. That, I'm there, but, what, but the thing is, he just, uh, he just beat the system. That's all he's saying. Oh, yeah, he, he, that's what he was saying. Mark, well, can, it, I, can I get more voice exactly if I get, like, a pad saying. or something? And, and he was proud of it, and that's just not a good example to set. I, don't th- I think you misunderstood him. I think what he was trying to do is make it very clear that the system is um, in, entirely uh, corrupt. And I agree that some policemen go to, to the extreme, but if I don't know because I hadn't heard the whole thing on the guy you did. Mm-hmm. But um, if the policeman got out with an attitude, yeah, he was going to teach the guy a lesson. And some of those things need to be thrown out or thrown away. Okay. But two, you know, it seems like he did something wrong to get stopped. Well, what's wrong with beating the system? Is there what anything inherently I, wrong with that? There, yes, that's a right and a wrong. Well, wait a minute. Are, well, well hold on. What is right wrong? Is it right or wrong to stop for there, a stop sign? It's right to stop at a stop sign. It might be right to stop at a stop sign, but I don't think it's wrong not to. I do. Well, if it's clear as far as the eye ab- can see, then there are absolutes in this world. Well, and, and one of them is not a stop becomes, sign, lady. <laughs> it becomes absolute the moment you write it down on a piece of paper. Someone writes it down on a piece of paper, and that becomes absolute. That's like the law of the universe. If it's true, if it's the truth. All right. Well, let me run there, you through something here's the here, truth. John. That's stop the big signs F. are made <laughs> as revenue generation sources for the state. There's you get, get some you, truth. If you could, if you could cheat on a test and get away with it, would you do it? It it, it depends on what the test is for. <laughs> uh, Let's come back. I want to come back with now, more, Don. Don, if you'll there hang on, I'll bring go. you back. I'll bring you back here in a moment. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the SACL CAI toll free line. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, Again, 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got live streams, a broadband version, dial-up, and webcam version of the show, all available free for you all the time at freetalklive.com. Well, the webcam's not there all the time, but the other ones are uh, all at freetalklive.com. Have the stories of civil disobedience here in New Hampshire touched, moved, and inspired you, like the ones we talked about earlier this week uh, with the activists being arrested for one of them for wearing a hat in court, the other for asking questions of some bailiffs. Uh, If this is inspiring to you, but you're unable for whatever reason to be involved yourself, well, you can from a distance via the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund at cdevolution.org. It allows you to care for these brave men and women by financially supporting them while they face down the organizations that operate through violence and coercion. cdevolution.org. That again, cdevolution.org. And I'd like to point out that, uh, as we mentioned before, and we will mention again, uh, Free Talk Live's Newegg link, newegg.freetalklive.com. All of the proceeds from that link, because we get a percentage when you order at Newegg through that link, all of the proceeds will be donated to cdevolution.org. So yet another way for you to send some money to the civil disobedience efforts here in New Hampshire. And that again is newegg.freetalklive.com. 
We continue with your phone calls. Uh, we did get Dawn back. Looked like she dropped off the line, but she's back with us. Dawn listening to KBYO in Louisiana. Now, Dawn, we were talking about stop signs and uh, road obedience. And you were, and if I was understanding you correctly, you were saying that you believe that it's the right thing to do to stop at a stop sign, a full and complete stop at a stop sign. Is that correct? Did I understand you right? Yes. Now, here's my question. I've got a few questions for you, just to kind of flesh this out here. If you're at an intersection, four-way stop intersection, and you can see that there's nothing else going on. Let's say it's, oh, I don't know, 9 o'clock at night, nobody else is on the roads. It's clear as you're approaching the four-way stop that there's no one else coming from any of the other directions. Is it then, is it then right to stop at the stop sign? Or actually, the, I guess the right question would be, is it wrong to blow through the stop sign? It's wrong to blow through it, and it's right to stop. Why? Because it's the law. So are you saying that whatever is the law is right? No, because abortion is the law, and it's not right. Well, then if you get to pick that the law is wrong in the case of abortion, how do you get to pick that the uh, law is right in the case of uh, this, this this deserted stopping area? Because you're talking about... uh, Killing unborn babies and <laughs> I'm sorry, killing unborn babies and what? A ticket. Well, so well, <laughs> I understand a- completely why you have issues with a particular law, like with the, with the abortion law. I understand that completely. What I don't understand is why you're so inconsistent when it comes to another law that someone else might disagree with, i.e., the stop sign. And uh, and and to me, it seems wrong when someone has harmed no one. If they go through a stop sign, well, and night has and they anybody haven't, they tried haven't been to any sort of accident? The they don't harm the, uh, anyone. Why, isn't it wrong? To get whoa, 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 whoa. We've got way Let too much. We've got way too much crosstalk here. <laughs> Let me finish. Well, is it, is to... it not wrong? Let me finish. Is it not wrong for the for to give someone a ticket, possibly put them in jail if they refuse to pay that ticket when they haven't harmed anyone? There's no one at the stop sign. You obviously disagree with one law, and someone else disagrees with another law. So what makes one of them right, and one of them wrong? Consequences for everything you do. You get you're going to get paid good, or you're going to get paid bad. You make the choice. That wasn't an, a responsive answer to his question. Did you even what? hear what his question what was? Or you, you, you haven't explained yeah, your you inconsistency. You what haven't explained you your inconsistency why one law is bad and one law is good. You're simply, you know, you obviously disagree with one, and other people disagree with the right, other. Right, I disagree. Just like I said, I, you know, I'll do all I can to change the law of abortion. I'll do everything I can to try to change it. You know, I, I'm for through that. the legal system. So we'll hold on a second to, now. Let the, what since you, need you bring to do it up, is go through the. No, now you won't let me talk. All right, go ahead. What you need to do is go through the legal system and have it changed. That There's a, good a complete question. stop is no longer required at a stop sign. So, Don, if the legal, if the law, is it possible that? that the legal system itself is wrong? It supports killing babies, right? Okay, so here's my question for you. If the law itself said that you must have an abortion if you uh, get pregnant, would you follow the law? Or would you work through the system to change it while you were following it? Or what would you do? No, I'm going to take the law of God on that. Oh, I see. So you have your own set of laws that you'll just decide that overrides man laws, right? That is not a law, though. Well, hold on a second, sweetie. (laughs) There have been a lot of crappy laws. Now, you know, under Obama, he could make it a law. What about what about my what if I have my own God's law that says that when I'm approaching an intersection, there's only one God. Well, hold on, (laughs) sweetie. How do you know that my God doesn't have a law that uh, that says that I get to use my judgment, sweetie? How can you call me sweetie? You know that's 
you through the you know, through the whole right, line of questioning right. you know, uh, by being nasty. <laughs> You know what? I shouldn't have done that. I'm talking with a nice southern lady. I didn't feel like I was Say out you're of sorry. line. I apologize you're for calling that. Calling me southern, uh, southern lady. That's you know really. That's not an insult. I, I take it as a compliment. I'm southern. Yeah, ladies, I'm, I'm ladies so, a good term. I, I think from where the are south. you from? I'm from the south. We're all from farther, the south. Farther south than you could Florida than you are. Even though Florida is further south, it doesn't actually count as a south. I just want to point that out. I'm from Georgia. I truly am from the south. <laughs> now wait a minute. You've never been to Central <laughs> Florida. But you have a northern accent. Who has a northern accent? The other guy who said that. We're, tra- we're trained broadcast professionals, man. <laughs> uh, well, I have a question. Is, huh? What if I have a problem with the system? What is my pro- What process should I go through with, uh, if I have a problem with the system itself? What process you go through to right. change things in the system? If I have a problem with the system itself, what process do I go through? Obviously, I can't go through the system if I have a problem with the, if I have a problem with the system. That's obviously not reliable. So that's what? the problem with that's the problem we have in America right now, isn't it? We're so tied down. I agree. We can't, we can't fix things. <laughs> yep, it's it's all these laws. You'd, you'd agree that there's way too many. Yeah, I do. But I, I know y'all just you're just wanting a good conversation and all. But listen. You know that guy was wrong. Oh, no, no. No, I don't. I, well, the, no, the I guy, don't agree. Well, here's what I think. is The guy was calling to point out that the system itself is corrupt. And I know that's what he was calling because he'd, uh, we've talked in the past. And I'll say that what occurred was unfair. And the court system's there to be fair. However, he didn't do it. The judge did. And he didn't yeah. harm anybody. None of his uh, so-called offenses, as I recall, yeah, did not involve a victim. It just hit me wrong because it just sounded like he called and bragged. And then his very last statement was, if you know somebody, you can get yourself out of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, he I was being not... cynical. I mean, that's, oh. it, that's a, it's a yeah, cynical it's observation of reality. Gross. Thank you for the call Uh-oh. tonight, Don. I appreciate hearing from you in the conversation. It, that, that was essentially just a cynical observation of what the reality is of the court system. He was pointing out that, hey, if you know somebody then they might take it easy on you. Whereas if you're just the average schmo, then they're going to just run right over top of you. And you're going to have to pay up. And that's really at the root of most of the problems with the, with government. Is And, and when, we, when we're complaining about all the excess regulations on people and, and tickets, and it, it's, it favors the people who know someone. You know, when, and, you mm-hmm. know, companies that are already thriving and are, have followed all the regulations and they're in business, it behooves them to keep those regulations in place to keep their comp- keep competition away from them and, and things like that. So. Absolutely. The toll-free number here for you is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up what you want. Sometimes the laws just completely lead to a breakdown. That's what's happening in California. We definitely want to get to that story, plus your calls about anything. That's what the show's about. That's why we call it Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 
800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give to you, including the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies sent us their validated photo. To prove they listen to the show, head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what that's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. AdamEve.com has a special offer for you. Go to AdamEve.com and get 50% off of one item when you type in FTL at the offer code coupon checkout. Plus, with an order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. Get 50% off with offer code FTL at AdamEve.com. What do they sell at AdamEve.com? I'm not going to tell you, but here's a hint. It's very discreet shipping. (laughs) AdamEve.com. All right, so we go to your phone calls about what you want. It's Jim in Illinois. Jim, you're on Free Talk Live. Jim? Yeah. um, First of all, I'd like to say uh, this call is completely free, and I'm enjoying it on you. Lovely. What's on your mind tonight, Jim? What does that mean? (laughs) Um, uh, Real quick, before I get to my uh, my question, uh, Ian, you were talking about if you could invent anything. uh, You were talking the other night if you could invent anything, you'd invent teleportation. Um, on the BBS in the show forum, I put a link there. Uh, IBM's been working on it for some time, and they've actually successfully teleported quantum particles. Yeah, as I recall, that was it was a very short distance, but they did do that, and I, or at least I don't know if it was I don't know if I remember the story being about IBM, but I do recall a story where they have done such things, and it's pretty exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, granted, doing you know other things is quite a ways off, but um, you know you got to start somewhere. Well, yeah. I mean, when you say quite a ways off, it's kind of hard to predict how uh, predict how far that might be. I mean, what is just... a quantum particle? I mean, is this a molecule? I think it's, it's really, than a really, really small. Okay, so like a quark. <laughs> it's it's the, yeah. So I would say about like that. So, uh, so yeah, so they've successfully done that. It's pretty exciting. But if you look at the, uh, the, the, just look at the curve of technology, look at all that has happened in just the last 30, 20, 10 years and looking and seeing exactly how quickly things have been developing and uh, just the rate of increase and was it Moore's Law that technology roughly doubles its capability every, was it 18 months or something like that? I, I'm sure I'm, like that, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm inaccurate to some extent, but the, the concept is, is pretty sound that technology builds off of technology, which builds off of technology, and it just dramatically increases. So while right now they may just be teleporting quarks around, it may only be another 10 or 20 years before there are significant advances in that area. Who knows? Well, it certainly is, like I said, you've got to start somewhere, and the fact that they're even to do a quantum particle is very exciting. Pretty, Yeah, I agree. Uh, anything else on your mind tonight, Jim? Yeah, my main question is, is that um, something I've heard in the uh, Libertarian Party circles is is that maybe not even the party, just in libertarian circles, is, is that if you don't like, um, you know, if, if people are bad, then why do you want them, you know, governing over you? And then I was just thinking about this the other day when I was going over the Illinois Libertarian Party site in the Activision section, or the Activision, Activism section. <laughs> I'm an old Atari freak. You can't tell. Um, anyway, I was in the Activism section, but um, they... Um, the question arises to me that if we're we don't want people that are corrupt lording over us in the government, doesn't that point kind of negate the idea of actually having a libertarian party? 
Yeah, the, well, the Libertarian Party, as I understand it, was originally started as nothing more than an educational vehicle. And then, essentially, the politicos uh, became more and more entrenched in the party, more involved in the party, and they did turn it into an organization that was actually seriously attempting to win offices. And that resulted in them watering down their message to the point where now they are not even a recognizable shell of the party that they, uh, you know, they once were. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. They, um, as, as I've posted before about the, the last person they had up for president, they, um, I welcomed him to the party, but I did not welcome him to the position that he got in as fast as he did. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, the more people in the party, the more people in the liberty movement, the better, but, you know. Yep, I'm, absolute, I'm absolutely with you. It's a, it's a sad what, thing. What did he do for the Libertarian Party? I think nothing. Uh, he hurt nothing. the Libertarian Party. He uh, he made the Libertarian Party even less relevant than it already pra- was. Practically killed it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I certainly left, and a number of other people have left as well. In fact, speaking of that particular candidate, when they were running the Libertarian primary, there was one candidate that was neck and neck with him, uh, Dr. Mary Ruart. And we're going to have some interesting news to announce about her a little bit later on tonight. So I thank you for the call. I've been uh, not only downloading the podcast, but I've also been downloading the, uh, the guest interviews you've had over the years. And that was a that was a very excellent interview. Uh, you can do that over at guests.freetalklive.com, and I thank you, Jim, for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We're gonna wait on. Uh, hopefully, we're gonna get a call about Dr. Ruart tonight. But if we don't, by the end of the show, remind me, and I'll make sure I break the news. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We go to Dave, listening in the People's Republic of somewhere. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, once upon a time, I had a little airplane. And I went out, headed to New York, I had a lady friend that was going to Columbia, and I used the services of uh, the New York air traffic control people. Mm -hmm. And I ended up having to make an emergency landing in uh, Grand Canyon, Pennsylvania, because he directed (laughs) me into a storm. Okay. Ended up later on, I got back in the plane, they put me back in the same storm, I ended up in Elmira, New York. And the next day, I finally made it to Kennedy, where they charged me $275 to park or to land. And wow. had the police escort me to and from my airplane. Why? So I guess for 200 well, that's the rules there. Jeez. So that used to be the rules. That was before 9-11. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I actually, I'm hoping you guys could maybe put this on the air. They came out with the uh, air traffic control tapes today. For that uh, flight, I believe it was uh, 1549. The one that crashed uh, in the river? Yeah. And it's just amazing to hear the air traffic controller. What do you mean? He doesn't even know what the hell the number of the airplane is. Wow. He's calling it 1529, 1539. (laughs) And he actually had to be told by some other airplane that the guy had crashed into the river. That's amazing. So yeah. was he, so he was just that record- oblivious of what was going on, or to what was going on? Oh, well, okay. Um, there, that there's that question. old guy that calls in that just got his pilot license renewed. You know Gene who I'm talking Christ- about? Gene Christianity. Yes, sir. Yeah, and he talked about how it's uh, pilot's discretion in the plane in an emergency. You don't have to obey their diktats. Okay. Well, he told him to turn to a certain heading, and the fellow said, you know, I just got a bird strike can't do that i need to turn around and come back 
man, when he didn't comply with that air traffic controller's diktat, that, that was it for the ATC. They just freaked out. They freaked out and did what? They didn't, know who he, they didn't even know who the hell they were talking to. I mean, you know, planes have numbers, right? Yeah. Well, if you're flight 1549 and the guy's talking to flight 1529 mm-hmm. and 1539, well, you know, and you're having an emergency trying to land, land a plane with no engine, how do you know the guy's even talking to you? Yeah, that's true. That's, uh, yeah, well, I can see how that could be confusing. Like I say, when he went into the water, some other aircraft told him, well, he's in the Hudson or something like that, or he said wow. he's going in the Hudson. So I would recommend anybody coming to the uh, Free State Forum there that you guys are having next month to drive. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the suggestion and the call. All right, have a good one. Well, I have the convenience of being able to drive to the Liberty Forum because I live in New Hampshire, but I'm sure a lot of people will be flying in uh, through the Manchester Airport, which is it's the cutest little airport I've ever seen. It, it is a so cute little airport. <laughs> I am actually on the after my last Isn't it about flight. The sign of the Sarasota Bradenton. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We've got a co-host here. <laughs> after my last flight, saying. I am so close to just riding off flying altogether. And if I can't drive there, then I don't need to go that bad. Yeah, that's kind of how I'm feeling <laughs> I mean, about it. I, I, I'm of, of similar opinion, and I wonder how many people are in that, of that same opinion. Flights are down since 9-11, and I don't think it has to do with people being scared of terrorists. I think it's people being annoyed with the TSA. I agree. By the way, I'm being corrected here and told that the apparently in the, the case of the plane that flew into the river, uh, the pilot did give an incorrect flight number first. So, all that said, I don't doubt that many air traffic controllers are lazy shiftless bureaucrats. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number for you is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features we give to you. And if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So whatever it is you need to buy in life, they probably sell it. They've got dozens of categories, and they even sell used items. So anything you buy at amazon.freetalklive.com, we will get a cut. We continue with your phone calls about whatever you want. It's Ken in California. Hello, Ken. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello there, gentlemen. What's on your mind tonight, Ken? Oh, well, basically, uh, you were going to bring up a subject about California. I have one for you. There's certain communities in California that are going to write, if they don't already have on their local statutes, local ordinances, so they can kind of... Uh, Get rid of the county of getting any of this money, or the or the state. Like for instance, like speeding tickets. So write it on a local ordinance and put you through the local court. Yeah, I, I think that my story here may be covering that. Essentially, some of the county folks are basically pretty pissed off uh, that the yeah. uh, the state government is essentially withholding funds from them, and so they're basically saying, "Well, you withhold funds from us, we'll withhold funds from you." Yeah, it's just getting to be a, uh, well, the, 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 the people are the ones who are going to lose the battle because they're yep. using, they're using, <laughs> and, and, and it's my understanding too, I guess they're going to try to raise our state sales tax to, uh, to compensate. 10% is, 
ten percent is what I understand. It's currently seven seven point five. Wow. Well, I guess it depends on where you live too. That's you a know, there's huge a lot of increase. bureaucrats that could lose their jobs if we don't keep up that state funding. So you should be happy to pay that uh, extra two percent. No, I'm I'm not quite happy about that's that. That's like that's like a thirty three forty percent increase in sales tax. That's tremendous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So it's it's every well. Here's the thing: they're going to put us uh, put the screws to us at every level, and tell them, we, and they're going to tell us we all got to get a little get a little skin in there, or whatever Obama said the other day. What do you mean by that? You mean that you'll actually have well, to work he, for the he government? Well, he made a comment. He made a comment. We all got to put you know put into this. You know, we all got to fill some pain. But I don't see you know I don't see any of the government officials filling any pain. No, they're not cutting back at all. They're, they're getting paid. Well, a lot of them avoided a lot of their income taxes, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, that's what, kind of funny, that? some of the appointees. I think that's great news. It shows that uh, yeah. even these politicians are not paying taxes. California really cracks the whip when it comes to sales taxes, too. I know, I know that they? So, they, have, they have an extra thing on, their, on your income taxes where you can fill out. There's a section where you can fill out things that if you bought them online and weren't charged sales tax like you were supposed to from another state. So you can and you get can that, that, that extra money. And I have, I have a friend that fills it out accurately, too. That's crazy. That's, that's, that's supposed to be mandatory, gentlemen. <laughs> It is, but wow. it's just one of those things that's so hard to enforce, hardly anyone actually does it. But I have a friend who immediately well, fills it out and is, is quite yeah. proud of that. I, I mean, well, here's the problem. I yeah. can't afford to get out of here. Oh, no. <laughs> well, that is going to be a problem. What's so, uh, what's so difficult about getting out for you? Well, just a uh, very limited budget right now. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just it's monetarily not going to work at this point. You're living I mean, paycheck I, to paycheck? Uh, yeah, <laughs> basically. Tough. The way yeah. things are going, it might get to the point where you can't afford to stay. That's a good point, that's, too. Well, I, I when not, it gets but... to that point, I guess I just let them say, here, here's the house, bye. Yeah, that's, the, the house is what's holding a lot of people back right now. Yeah. It, <laughs> you know, they're, they're not worth what they used to be. They, it used to be, uh, you could, well, the house will just be worth more next year, and more next year, and more, mm, and now the house is going to so be much. worth next, less next year, less next year, and... Yeah, it was called equity at one point, now it's negative equity. Yeah, right. Upside, people are upside down one out of one out of five people are upside down in their houses and a lot more in california florida arizona nevada i saw that coming and i bailed i saw it coming and bailed just in oh time. don't rub his face in it <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> hey well you know i couldn't bail so here i am i'm stuck in hell well i mean there's there's got to be something that you can do to get out i mean obviously if you've got debts that should be uh should be something to be paid off take on some well, roommates that's what I'm, yeah that's what I'm trying to do right now. Me and the me and the wife are trying to get the debts down. That's you know, that's another reason it's even tighter because I'm paying more on you know things like credit cards and you know getting rid of all that stuff. Send the kids to work, take on some roommates, uh, try to cut back on your spending, and uh, put some money away in savings so you can get the hell out of there. And good luck. Thank you for the call tonight, nope. Ken. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I would not want to be going down with that sinking ship. That is for sure. Uh, we'll get to some of the, more of the details here in a moment about what's going on out there. But first, let's talk to Alan in New York. Alan, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi. Yeah, I called in to talk tonight about uh, a great way to get back at your local court system for giving you uh, BS tickets. Uh, okay. This week, after about an eight-month fight over a seatbelt ticket, I got about eight extensions is the only reason it took so long. But uh, I went in and paid a $125 ticket in pennies, and uh, they brought in the mayor, the police to intimidate me. Uh, really? Court clerk, yeah, they called like 10 different people on the phone to see if they could accept pennies. The cop <laughs> told me I'd have to sign every one of my roles uh. or 
the bank would not accept them. And I'm like, well, the bank will accept them because I just got them from the bank to give them to you guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, that pissed them off even more. Pardon I think me. I read about this. Is this a different case, or is this was this a, was there an article about this? Uh, I don't believe so. Oh, okay, um, I'm, I'm not much. There have been the, articles like yeah. This, he's so. not the first one to pay a ticket in pennies. What, that's what, for sure. Yeah, what I what jogged my thought about that was the signing each role because I thought I'd read that. Well, there was one place but, that uh, that made it uh, that demanded that a guy put his driver's license number on each role, and I've heard of signing the roles as well. Certainly, signing roles would be easier than yeah, writing but a signing is really not of any use if your signature looks like chicken scratch. Right. Yeah. Well, what I what I did to counteract that is I said, well, okay, if you're worried about me putting plugs in these pennies, I'm going to empty them. So I started smashing them open on the counter so they could count them penny by penny. Mm-hmm. But of course, backed him down. He said, oh, oh, calm down. I'll make a couple calls. You know. He, you know, went over, you know, basically lied as if he's making some calls and said, okay, put $125 of the pennies in this basket and get the hell out of here. <laughs> Did they give you a receipt? Oh, yeah, they gave me a receipt. Yep. Oh, wow. Okay, but here's the se- second part of this. I'm in the military. Well, in the military, you know, they called the uh, military police, and the military police called my chain of command in an attempt to get me in trouble for paying my fine in pennies. Really? Yeah. So it, I'm not if, really sure the If they don't want the legal tender, they shouldn't call it legal tender mm-hmm. because that's it's that's what it says. It's for all debts, public, public and private. And, and private. There's no doubt about it. You know, I'm curious. Uh, did you happen to bring a video camera or audio recorder along for your expedition? No, I figure they would uh, have kicked me out if I had done that or kicked over I had videotaping out. I don't figure that's legal. On now, that. they do like to try to do those sorts of things. I mean, even though videotaping is legal here in, or actually having supposedly having a video camera is legal in a courtroom here in New Hampshire, they kicked us out uh, more than a few times. So, uh, I, well, thank you for the call and the story, and glad to hear that that worked out for you, because a lot of places, they do not want to take pennies from you, and it is kind of an, it's, you know, it's an it's a decent little protest. It's not a huge step, but if they insist that I sign each role, I would make sure I do it standing right there, holding up the line. Holding up the line, yeah, <laughs> that's a good idea. Uh, and and having well, gonna... a video camera there would make things even more fun because it would really make the bureaucrats nervous, and they they would they would be on their best behavior uh, if they actually allowed the camera. If they uh, if they did the bigger like the, the camera, camera they... the better too. In that case, yeah. um, you know that's it's like in that case, uh, if you can have one of those news type looking cameras, that's even better. Right, Sam uh, from the Obscure Truth Network has those cameras. He's got those yeah. really snazzy HD. Cameras. And I had uh, some problems with the, uh, the the town that I lived in and, and, and live in, and you know, when I brought that thing in. In the county clerk's office. With Sam. Wham. They suddenly got real nice mm-hmm. and helpful, too. Yep. So it's all about your appearance. Uh, if you've got yourself a nice little press badge that you've made up for yourself with a laminate and a uh, something to put it, put it around, hang it around your neck, basically, and you've got a nice-looking camera... You will fool plenty of bureaucrats. I mean, and they, that's it's all about appearances. It's all about uh, how you carry yourself. Uh, so worth it. I, I don't know. Those big cameras, they're getting cheaper. In fact, I believe you can get uh, larger size cameras that are of the regular DV variety instead of the HD variety. So it's just sort of the standard television resolutions that are well, you know, definitely on the cheaper side these days. Uh, so 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. So I think that Activism like that uh, is a lot more powerful when you are backed up by other activists. It's great to go in and put your little protest in and and do that, and I'm, I'm not against that. I think it's, it's great for people to take baby steps and to 
show the government for how ludicrous they really are, to t- to not take them seriously, to laugh at them as many chances as you possibly can get. But having people backing you up is a huge help. Uh, as you know, Mike Barsky, one of the super activists here in New Hampshire, called us last night. We talked to him at length about his recent stay in jail. He's uh, he's bailed out. And he mentioned while he was on the show all the help that he's gotten from the outside, from the activist community here in New Hampshire, and how grateful he was uh, to have all of these activists around. And that's how I felt when I got out of jail, that I was so grateful to have uh, all of these wonderful activists, not just here in New Hampshire, but also, of course, all around the country listening to the show. But specifically the ones that were close by because having those people on the outside really makes a difference or if you're going in to pay a fine in pennies having them behind you makes a difference as well we'll see you coming up here in hour two you can bring up anything it's free talk live our archives website and podcast will continue to stay free but if you think other people deserve to hear this show consider becoming a free talk live amplifier for just three dollars a month at amp.freetalklive.com help free some minds visit amp.freetalklive.com This is Free Talk Live. We're launching an hour number two of the program. You can bring up what you want if you dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. This show is about your calls. In the absence of those, we talk about things that are interesting to us and something that's I found pretty intriguing on the, I guess this is the, the political scene, which normally I'm not too interested in the, the political realm, but uh, when it fails, I like talking about that. <laughs> uh, and it does fail a lot, uh, but specifically I'm talking major failure. We're talking about California. One of our callers last hour gave us a couple of, uh, I guess, a couple of things that he's observed going on out there, and there is a whole lot of bad news coming out of California because of the financial situation they are in. Essentially, what is happening and what was happening before is that the state government has told every citizen of California, every person in California who filed income taxes, which they're all supposed to, I'm not sure how many actually do, but I'm sure millions of them do, they've told them that, well, you would have gotten your refund checks back in February, but... We're just going to have to hold that off for a month. And apparently they've also told that to some of the counties. Uh, they've told them that, well, yeah, I know you were expecting to get this money to use for health care programs and stuff like that, but we're just going to have to hold back on paying that off to you here. So, sorry. And if you don't like it, there's always going and jumping in a lake. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, of course, people count on the government for things. People who are sick think that the government's going to take care of them. People who are uh, who are getting th- that are filling out an income tax refund form think they're going to get their money back. And many people plan and budget for these things. The, that uh, they they believe that they believe that they are going to get the check by a certain point in their life and so they might go out and and plan to spend a certain amount of money based on that information and then well, lo and behold the government has just decided that 
You're not getting what you thought you were getting when you thought you were getting it. Can I and, just make it? Uh, I want to yeah. note it for the record that I anticipated this and bailed out of California. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used to term like, you know, bailing off of the Titanic. And that was, you know, a couple of years ago. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, very, uh, very prescient of you, uh, Dale. And in, in this case, here are the details from the Sacramento Bee. Counties in California say they've had enough and they're not going to take it anymore. In what amounts to a Boston Tea Party style revolt against the state capitol, they're threatening to withhold. Money Now, they're not actually withholding it yet, but Los Angeles is considering such an option, and Calusa County supervisors say they authorized payment delays for February. Now, this is an interesting quote. We didn't vote on it because I don't think anybody wants to go to jail, said Calusa County Supervisor Kim Van. Wasn't that interesting? They didn't want to go to jail, so they didn't vote on it. Which is very strange. It says they offer the first paragraph, the paragraph before that says that those supervisors authorized payment delays for February, but the supervisors also says that they didn't vote on it. So I guess they can authorize the delay without voting on it. If they voted on it, then they'd be liable so for it. <laughs> we were legally supposed to vote on it, but we didn't because don't we don't want to go to jail. Well, it's very confusing. And this is, this is an example of why you can't count on the government people. Right, because they're to not going to do the right do, thing. Right, they're not going to do. Obviously, they're not doing the right thing. They don't want to go to jail, to, you know, so they're not. You know, they're not voting on it. Right, and if if there's a government bureaucrat that is uh, is is just just egregiously doing the wrong thing, uh, many other uh, people that, that are ahead of him, like the city councilors or whatever, will not take action because they might be afraid of possibly being involved in a lawsuit, you know, wrongful termination suit. There are all kinds of rules within the government structure within the system that make changes from the inside next to impossible. So, I mean, what you have here are these city councilor types or uh, the controllers or whatever they are, supervisors, that are fed up with what they're getting from the state government. They'd like to do something about it, like withhold payment to the state government, but they're too cowardly to actually do anything because they understand there's a chance that, well, the state government could just throw them in a jail cell. <laughs> Which, of course, would be outrageous, and it would be na- you know, probably would be national news and would be a really big deal if one of them actually did it, but they're all too chicken. Well, of course. I mean, they're politicians, so naturally they're going to not have any level of courage whatsoever. But nonetheless, it's, it's, it's an inter- interesting story just to, to point out how crazy that situation is out there because the government continues to just spend and spend. Well, it refuses to, uh, to, to cut itself back. And so, as yeah, they can't even imagine the idea of paring back the government services as though you, you know, things that you're forced to pay for are actually services. So, here are some of the results of that. They'll insist that we pair back, though, so that we can pay more taxes so they can keep doing everything, but they won't do it themselves. And soon everyone will work for the government, and then there'll be no one to pair back. Closer to home, Sacramento County is planning to file a lawsuit this week against the state and controller John Shang for millions or withholding millions of dollars, much of it for social service programs. Uh, one of the spokeswomen uh, from the County Board of Supervisors, or the chairwoman rather, said the legislature authorized the expenditures and the controller has decided to withhold it. She says, I believe it's possible that other counties will be joining in the action. Riverside County is looking at a similar lawsuit but plans to go one step further. It authorized going to court to relieve it from having to provide state-mandated services without state funding. So if the state is saying, you must do this, this, and this, the county's saying, well, you're not paying us, so how is it that we're supposed to do that? It's an awful situation, uh, says one of the spokeswomen for Xiang, the controller. She says she shares the frustration 
of the counties, but was forced to act because of the failure of the legislature and the governor to address the budget deficit. So it's the old finger-pointing game again. It's, yep. uh, well, you know, we, we're just doing what we had to do. It's not our fault. She says, uh, regard, or regardless, a coalition of six southern California counties is headed to Sacramento for a meeting to call attention to their plight. Uh, according to the story... Frustration has been spreading since last week when the state controller vowed to delay payments to counties for health and social services. One of the county, Yolo County Supervisors Chairman, said that when we hear things like we're out of cash and you're going to have to borrow the money, it doesn't make us very happy. Do you believe this? The state government's basically saying, well, we're not paying you, but you still have to provide the services, so go to the bank. Hmm. When uh, McGowan said the county would look for a way to provide vital services such as mental health programs, food stamps, and child protective services, that would mean borrowing about $5 million to cover mandated program expenses. That's interesting, too, because the state government, their credit is shot. So they're, they, they actually have a credit rating, and it's horrible. They so can't, who's going to loan? They're going to get to the point where they can't borrow money anymore unless they get it directly from the federal government, you know, sort of like, <laughs> you know, that's they, the only way they'll be able to get it. Maybe now, I don't have, know about this, the different counties and, and such, but... Maybe they'll have to uh, start letting people's kids go back to live with their parents from uh, the Child Protective Services. Maybe. Well, we know they've reached out to the federal government to get a bailout. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We know that California's looking for $7 billion. But presuming that doesn't occur, and it probably will eventually, but presuming that doesn't occur for a while, and these counties have to go out, they're state-mandated. They, let's say they lose the court case, because there's a chance that the judges are going to side in favor of the state. So they lose the court case. The judge says, okay, well, even though the state's not paying you to provide these services, by law you must provide the services, so therefore you have to go out and get loans. They start going out and getting loans, still not getting any money from the the feds or the state. They're going to have to drastically raise property taxes, putting more people out on the street, encouraging more people to leave, just creating a, a you know continual cycle of of uh, just destruction, and basically. That's crazy. spiral is what it is. Yeah. I mean, you, they, I mean they, 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 the, the, the bureaucrats it. don't seem to grasp that – that they are that that that, cannibaliz- that cannibalizing process that you're talking about. They don't seem to grasp that nope. uh, the productivity comes out of the free market and not out of a controlled market. And so when they keep making putting it under more and more control, they keep stifling their income stream at the same time. I'm not sure they really care. I don't think that. Well, I mean, they should care. Well, they, well, their, pen- they, their pensions they, they want. They really only care about putting up an act of like, look, we're doing something. We're you know they, whatever they can do that's visible. You know, kissing the babies and and putting and passing laws and things that are visible and have a, an immediate effect. They're not concerned at all about the long term consequences. That's for sure. So because that's by then they're out of office or they've moved on or it, they're, they're no longer blamed. People forget very quickly what uh, the bureaucrats did that got them into those binds yep. in the first place. And now they're, and they're just looking at they're just inc- they're incredibly short sighted. They're just looking at right now. What are you doing for me right now? What have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. And if they get these loans from the banks in order to continue these programs and they don't pay them back on time because they're already behind the ball. So if they can't pay back the loans by raising taxes quick enough or, or whatever, if the taxes don't come in like they're expecting them to, then they're going to, you know, their credit ratings will be hurt. They won't be able to pull. I mean, it's just an absolute mess. There is a little bit more to the story here about, well, how long is this going to last? I mean, if the state is withholding payments, for how long? It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, the toll-free number for you to bring up what you want is 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI, 
259-9231. And it's Ian here with you tonight. And Dale. And Mark. You can join... Mark? Mark. Oh, Mark. Uh, you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, including updates. You get signed up, and we will keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. According to the Computer Privacy Handbook, normal Internet technology is the most comprehensive surveillance system ever invented. Put a stop to email snooping with an easy-to-use email alternative. PrivacyHarbor.com, because normal email is not secure. That's PrivacyHarbor.com. You can go over there and get a free account today. PrivacyHarbor.com. All right, as we continue to discuss the economic consequences that have been occurring out in California, because obviously times are a little bit tough, housing prices have been falling, therefore they've been reassessed at lower amounts, therefore the government's just haven't been pulling in the same amount of money that they're used to. And as a result of that, well, they haven't changed any of their ways. So their budgets are still the same as they used to be virtually. And they're in a ba- uh, the, the state government of California is in a real bad way. So bad that they're withholding people's income tax returns for an, uh, for an extra month. And who knows, maybe it'll go on longer than that. Uh, there's no guarantee that anything's going to happen in March or whenever it is that they're supposed to begin paying people's income tax returns. In addition, uh, the, or their rebates, in addition, the county governments are also having funds withheld from them to the tune of millions of dollars that are supposed to be going for social service programs. You know, one of those things that everybody thinks the government's supposed to provide for people. They think the government's supposed to be out there taking care of you, but then all of a sudden the checks dry up. Well, now what are you going to do? They're essentially loaning themselves money out of out of the pockets of uh, California citizens. When you say loaning themselves well, money, right? Because I mean they're obligated to pay that money back based on you know they're just deciding to keep it for a while. They're just it's like giving themselves a loan with someone else's money, a no interest loan. <laughs> yeah, well, a and no in- yeah. A lo- well, yeah, they get to take a whole bunch of money off the top too to run their bureaucracy, and then they'll give some of it back to the people, right? <laughs> no, by paying late is what he's saying. They're well, giving themselves a one month oh, no see. interest loan. Right? Yeah. No, they're they're stealing money. I mean, without a doubt, taxes are theft. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, just the fact that that they're Supposed to they've they're supposed to be paying this money back and they're just keeping it. It's like they're just giving themselves a loan, right? An and interest-free loan. Additionally, so what's going on here is the counties are getting pretty fed up with this because it's the counties that collect the money, isn't it? Is that how it works out there? That's how it works here. The counties collect the money, and the cities or whatever towns they collect the money for the state, and then they send it along to the state. I'm not absolutely sure. I remember filling out the forms, and I know there's separate forms depending on where you live for. I don't think so for that, and and it all. I just I know it all got sent to one place, and I can't recall where. Well, I maybe sent the it, state so. takes the income tax right. returns, but what about property taxes? Do you think taxes some of that probably, goes past Absolutely, along? I think that the the county uh, pr- uh, collects the property taxes. I don't know if it go, where it goes or if it goes anywhere. Okay, well, I know that here in New Hampshire, a portion of property taxes does go to the state government. Maybe it's not the same way there. If you know more about California, uh, feel free to. Clue us in at 800-259-9231. But essentially what's going on here is that there's apparently the, the one county was told they needed to borrow money in order to cover the state-mandated program. So they're suing in state court to basically say, well, if you're going to mandate that we provide these programs, then you need to provide the money to do them. And so we'll see what happens with that. But they've also they're also saying here that... 
Uh, the rumor that the state could extend the delayed payments to counties sent a chill through Calusa County, which qualifies as small with only 22,000 people. That is small. The state is delaying $3.5 billion in payments to counties over seven months. So they're just not getting what they were expecting. If all counties withheld funds, which they're now talking about doing, money denied the state would total $675 million over a year's time. In addition to filing suit, they're also considering withholding the money. While they do collect property taxes for the state, county officials doubted that that money would come into play. One of the supervisors said, we need to know the ramifications before we do something rash that has consequences. See, they're, they're scared. Basically, Mm. these little guys in the county are scared about what the state might do. While deferring property tax revenue money to the state might seem like a good idea, that money goes in part to fund education. The county doesn't want to hurt schools while taking a stand against the controller's actions. So it's just they're so uh, locked into their structure, right? Essentially, the county government is saying that, well... We would like to withhold money, but we're concerned about the schools. They can't just take the money and cut a check to the local school. Apparently, that's not possible for whatever bureaucratic reason. Because it may be that the, I don't know. It may be that the checks are made out in, to I, the state. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't why know why in the world would the county collect a, a check from the, the state? I, that doesn't make any sense. So why in the know. world would the county collect a, a check? It, what? I just. I don't know. I don't understand why they can't do it. I was why they trying, can't just cut a check to the school? I can't understand. If it's so important. Right. Well, maybe it's because the schools uh, can't receive checks or something like that, which would seem ludicrous. Certainly they get checks from from parents and things like that. So there's just some sort of bureaucratic rule that says you can't do that. Yeah. And Mm. they're not willing to violate those rules because, well, that would mean that they could get hurt. (laughs) And, of course, if nobody has any courage, then what can you expect to change? And I'm not just talking about at the county level or in, in regards to state government. I'm talking about in general, period. If nobody's willing to take a risk, if nobody's willing to put it on the line, whatever it is, to put something on the line, then how can you expect anyone else to do it for you? It's a good point. Doesn't yeah. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So yeah, you know the story. The story goes on, and it's basically they they would like to do something, but they're too cowardly to do something about it. So as you say, uh, Dale, the death spiral will continue. It makes me think back to the gun owners march, uh, million gun owners march in in D.C. And you said, are they going to carry guns and whatnot? And and you talked about the other protests where they – I can't remember what they were protesting. You said they, they, they pulled back when they found out it would be breaking the law. Yeah, it was a hunger lawn. protest. <laughs> okay. And so I wonder, though, I'm hoping that, you know, hopefully there will be a little bit of a ripple effect and people will get ideas from things that are going on here in New Hampshire. I think that would be a wonder – you know, if, if we act as sort of a seed or inspiration for other people to start taking a little bit of risk and, you know, break the bad laws, things mm-hmm. like that, then – you know, I think that could that could be a really good thing. I don't I don't want to you know I I think it's very possible. I absolutely agree with you, and I think that's one of the I think that's going to be one of the best things about what happens in New Hampshire as these activists continue moving here as part of the Free State Project. More liberty loving people moving to New Hampshire and doing something, uh, getting active for freedom and and seeing what happens as a result of that. Maybe you know some sort of secession movement will begin burgeoning. Uh, perhaps more civil disobedience and non-cooperation will start to pop up more often with larger groups of people. This will generate news coverage. People will see these things. New Hampshire should be that shining light of liberty, that uh, the example that people can point to and say, hey, 
they got it right over there in New Hampshire, and all the statistics will back it up. You know, it'll be the safest place to live, the healthiest place to live. It'll be, the, you know, one of the best places to live, the, one of the, the, the freest place to live. People will see that, and they'll want to duplicate it Re- where they Recruitment are. numbers are way up right now. FSP is really starting to snowball now. You think and so? I think, I th- well, yeah, the numbers are up, definitely. I mean, statistically, well, and I think it's because are. there are people here inspiring people. There's actually something happening up to now. It's just been all talk, but now there's real stuff happening. Exactly. So, 800-259-9231 is the number for you. You can bring up what you want. Take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. You can join us on our website. At freetalklive.com, all the features are completely free, the wiki included. Over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com and get interactive. You can edit virtually anything you see there. It's like the listener editable version of our website, wiki.freetalklive.com. Speaking of uh, SACL CAI, if you like what we're doing here on Free Talk Live, SACL is our big sponsor. Uh, the, the, the principal over there, Jason Osborne, he is a huge supporter of Liberty and... If you can, turn over the accounts receivable to your um, business uh, to, to SACL CAI. They can do a better job of it and make your life a lot easier. It's SACL CAI. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com at the upper left, right-hand corner of the page. Since we're talking about bureaucracy, we had just gotten into a conversation about California and how crazy things are out there with their financial situation. We're talking about bureaucracy, and we know that the bureaucrats do not want to cut back. They demand, as you were saying, Dale, they demand that everybody else cut back. Time to scrimp and save so you can pay your property taxes, which we're not going to lower for you because, well, we just like doing things the way we do it. And you, we know you can't do anything about it, so we're going to just keep doing what we're doing, and you'll keep paying for it. Uh, we know that they don't want to reduce their bureaucracy, and, and there, there's certain motivations that are in play. Uh, one of those motivations is head bureaucrats, to them... What their life is all about is power and having uh, control over as many people as possible. So it's their goal in life, many of them, to expand their bureaucracy, to add new underlings, because the more people that you have control over, the more people that you can order around as an administrative bureaucrat, the more powerful you are, the more important you are. And it's just it's self more significant you are. I, yeah. I think a lot of it, too, is – I mean, I think there are a lot of people in there who really – I probably went in there with good intentions and and such, but I really do think a lot of this is in the inherent in the nature of the system because it's not the nature of governments. It's certainly not the nature of a bureaucrat to campaign on the idea of not doing anything. I mean, if you, you know, there are people yeah. who will throw around rhetoric about being small government and so forth, but most of the time they're, they're trying to say, I'm going to do good things for you and I'm going to do it more efficiently so we won't have to raise taxes and so on and so forth. Right, on. elect me because I know. have a business background. Right. right. We will make government as efficient as business. Right. But, but, they, <laughs> but they're going to have to, when it comes time for them to campaign, not just the first time they run for office, but when they're running to uh, when they're running for, to, for the second term, they need to be able to go back, point back at what they've done. 
And and then it looks impressive when they do stuff with other people's money. You know, it's like, wow, he, look at all these wonderful things this person did. Well, he did it with your money. So, um, but the thing is, that's that's what they campaign on. I think it's just inherent in the system. And that's why I say that, you know, we, we always, we, you know, people who try to work through the system to make it smaller, I don't think that, the that's not the nature of the beast. It's, it's, it isn't the nature of the beast. They'll throw you a bone now and then. I mean, that's important for appearances. Oh, we got rid of, we reduced taxes a little bit in this one area. Meanwhile, they went up in four other areas, sure. you know, taxes. Sure. And so you'll get a bone every now and then. But the big picture, I don't think, is ever, I mean, I don't think it's the nature of government ever to get smaller. It's I concur a, with it's, you. That it's, a, it's, it's a collectivism <laughs> has made it like a machine. It acts a certain way, and, it, and, it's, and it's trying to survive and grow. Well, I, I think that it's the nature of well, essentially any any enterprise that's uh, taken on by people at, at all, and you want to have the best people, and good people are going to grow an enterprise generally, and it doesn't matter whether that enterprise is the state or whether that enterprise is uh, you know in the private market or a church or a civic group, whatever. You, you, the Lions Club, you pick it. If you've got a dynamic leader, that guy's going to grow that organization because he believes that that is his g- job. I mean, he's he's focusing on it. It's going to grow. Um, government, we don't want to grow. We want it to stay small, and we want it to keep its fingers out of things because it is incentivized in an entirely different fashion, in a very poor fashion. I'd rather it go away completely. I but understand. I realize uh, you're speaking for the minarchists when you say I'm we. I'm speaking for the minarchists, <laughs> and uh, what I'm saying is, is that you wouldn't have got where you are today. And, you know, wouldn't wouldn't have evolved along the mental process mm-hmm. if the government had stayed at a small level and not intrusive and and hadn't bugged you, right? I, I think that applies to me. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if I would be inspired if if the government actually, if there was this such thing. I think it's a unicorn, but if there were this such thing as a minimal government that stayed really small and like really focused on protecting our rights and wasn't, you know, yeah. was minimizing taxes and keeping taxes really fair for everyone. Right. Yeah, you wouldn't I I wouldn't I probably wouldn't have had the inspiration You'd still to, be in California. to analyze the inconsistencies of it and come to the decision that I'm a voluntarist, you know. Absolutely. Right. I mean, so, essentially this show Free Talk Live and the the Liberty Movement as it stands today is essentially the unintended consequence of being a big government. I mean, a big government created Essentially, the people that were doing their thing over in government with all of their tyr- tyranny and their regulations and their taxes, they created us. It's like the Joker and the Batman. It's like, you made me. <laughs> exactly right. Because, well, I mean, if we hadn't experienced all of the wrongs, if we hadn't ex- experienced whatever it was we each experienced in, as far as the government regulating our friends or our family or arresting people that we know or whatever it is that we've all individually experienced, if we hadn't experienced those things, then we wouldn't know them as wrong and we would just be going about our lives doing something completely different. You know, I might said, be repairing computers or something. Exactly. I said that. You know, everyone is a voluntarist or an, an anarchist. Everyone is. They just have their boundary. We all have our line, and eventually it gets crossed. You know, there's a lot of people who say, "Oh, well, you just need to obey the law because that's the law." And I said, "Well, what about bad laws?" And I, I, I just, I'm just consistent about it. I'm a voluntarist in the sense that I'm consistent about. Uh, my beliefs and and most people the, don't uh, think about that, disobeying though. all bad laws. I obey good laws. Right. I you know and and I think it's like if you were in Nazi Germany, you would disobey the laws that say turn people over for execution. If you were a good person, you would. Yeah. Right. 
So, uh, so where I was going with that was I was pointing out that the, you know the motivation of the administrative bureaucrat is to preserve and expand. He is not interested in shrinking his bureaucracy and shrinking his purview over the amount of people and the the size of the budget that he's dealing with. He wants to expand that uh, because you know that's important to him and it makes him be it, it feel important and look important. And so and then plus every individual bureaucrat that's hired joins on with some bureaucrats union teachers. Union or whatever bureaucrat union you're talking about. So they all gather together, and now you've got every single bureaucrat that will fight for one another, essentially to say that, well, you can't downsize our department. We've got families to feed. We've, we're here doing these important jobs that you told us to do. You can't take away our, our hours and our benefits. And, and so every bureaucrat you bring in makes it that much more difficult to actually do anything to close down a bureaucracy or to, or to, shut, you know, to, uh, to cut the staff in half or whatever it is, cut the budget. Because they fight against it tooth and nail all along the way. And voters play a part in that role, too, because you can talk to just, you know, a lot of voters out there will say, I'm for small government, but they have their piece that they want to protect. There's and one program everyone, or two yeah. programs they're really in love with. Everyone's uh, fighting tooth and nail for their little piece, right. and they compromise so they can keep their piece, the, and then everything stays big. The, yeah, and they focus on their piece in order to make their piece better, which better means more money. So what do you get as a result is you get all the pieces grow. Um, I, I think that the political process can work. However, I don't know what is going to take us from here to the point that would make it work, because I think that we need an entirely new constitution um, on both a state and a federal level in order to make it happen. And to have that happen, you're going to have to have some kind of full-scale dissolution of the government, because they're not going to do it on their own. Wait, I, you, I don't know what's going to get us from the point where uh, you know a 50% majority passes some stupid law. You need it to, to stop being a monopoly. That's what. That's the only thing. Uh, as long as it's a monopoly and it's a single thing, then it's then it's inherently violent, and there's no reason to expect that to work. I mean, th- there's no reason to expect. I mean, we don't we don't supposedly as a civilized society we don't use violence to solve problems, right? I mean, so I don't know why anyone would expect a author- an authoritarian monopoly government to work when it is inherently aggressive and violent. Absolutely, the nature of the political and, process and getting them to give that up is the real trick. Uh, so, so when you're trying to change these things, the bureaucrats will stand up and they'll say, well, these are bureaucrats. We need to help them feed their families and the pensions and blah, blah, blah. So they'll appeal to sort of the human element. Interest, jobs. Like, yeah, jobs. Well, you don't want to take these people and put them on the street. You don't want these people to be out of jobs. Of course, we all know that the, if these bureaucrats were fired, the marketplace would absorb them into real productive careers uh, providing products and services. But that's, not, uh, that's never mentioned in the news media stories about possible cutbacks. What is said is that these bureaucrats are so valuable and that we need to take care of them, et cetera. Etc. But Mark, you've got a story about one bureaucrat who's coming out of the closet and admitting what it is that he does for a living. So if it's really not possible to cut back on bureaucracy, well, let's find out what one of the bureaucrats themselves has to say about his own job here in moments. And take your calls about what you want. This is Free Talk Live, the toll-free number 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want if you dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Dale. 
and March. Join us online at freetalklive.com. If you enjoy this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. You can get on board for as little as three bucks a month. We take that money in and reinvest it into the show, getting on as many radio stations as possible and bringing more internet listeners on board. Uh, recently, what I did with some amp money was uh, Bureaucrash. Uh, bureaucrash.com, great website, neat, neat little social networking function on there, uh, kind of up, up appealing more to the younger generation and bringing people to the message of freedom. Bureaucrash is a great organization. Uh, Pete Ayer had approached me about having Free Talk Live flyers included in these kits that they're putting together. Uh, essentially, what's going on is they're I guess they've got little cells or whatever, activist cells around the country that they're going to be starting up or that individuals will be starting their own bureaucrat cells. And essentially they're going to send out these kits full of outreach materials like, you know, stickers and flyers and stuff like that. And so he approached me to say, well, we'd like to put Free Talk Live flyers in there. And I said, well, I'd absolutely be happy for you to do that. And so essentially I'm paying them for the printing cost of printing up one of our existing flyers from the Promote site, uh, from promote.freetalklive.com. So I think they're printing up like 5,000 Free Talk Live flyers. And so I think that's a good out. investment. Yeah. Because, I mean, targeting, at advertising, how well you target your advertising is so crucial. And how much sure better is. could you possibly target than bureaucrats? Exactly. So thanks to them for that opportunity. And that's one example of uh, many of the ways that we're, sent, we're spending some of your AMP dollars. So head on over to amp.freetalklive.com. You'll get access to the AMP only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. All the details at amp.freetalklive.com. All right. We go to your phone calls here. And then coming up, we'll, t- we'll find out what one bureaucrat says he does for a living. First, let's talk to Mark in Louisiana. Mark, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. What's up? What's on your mind tonight? I want to talk about Obama's stimulus package, but while I was on hold, I heard you talking about the Constitution, um, and I wanted to kind of maybe tie the two together if I could a little bit. Go ahead. Um, did I hear you right? Are y'all saying that you think we need a whole new Constitution? Uh, I, I do. I think that the federal government should be abolished completely. Really? I don't think the Constitution has any magical powers to protect any rights, and yep. I don't think a new one will either. <laughs> when I was saying, you don't, you don't think the Bill of Rights is, a, is, a, is one of the greatest documents written by mankind? The way I look at it is, uh, you know, I sort of compare government to a perpetual motion machine. It's yeah. it's impossible to build a perpetual motion machine according because of laws of physics, and it's right. almost like when people are trying to make a good government, what they're trying to do is build a really good perpetual motion machine. Well. It, you, you know, and they're, what they're trying to do is say, well, let's just if we can just ignore the laws of thermodynamics, we could build one. But guess what? You can't ignore the laws of thermodynamics, so you can't build a perpetual motion machine. So I think it's it's just a matter of time before any government it gets too aggressive, too violent, and too big, and uh, and and implodes. Right. It and won't so, matter what you write down in your new constitution. No. It, is that it, an answer to his question about uh, what do you think about the Bill of Rights being uh, one of the greatest documents ever written? I, I can I could concede that. And it was, and it still won't change my point of view well, that a right. new constitution uh, is going to fix our problem. It's nice, well, the, but we violated yeah. them all. Yeah, well, the the problem is you've got humans in, involved, you know, and you can have the document and the framework, but like you said, with the perpetual motion machine, you're always going to have friction, you know, or whatever, or drag, or whatever. In the same same situation, you're always going to have people involved. Now, in terms of this Obama stimulus package, what he's doing, you know, is just growing government. And sure, he's taking absolutely. what we, you know, he's he's taking extreme liberties, and the way I see it, I check. I, have y'all looked at the uh, the bill online in any any in any manner at all? Um, There's no way. Legislation can, makes my eyes bleed. Yeah, I couldn't possibly. <laughs> yeah, well, me, me too. I, I just kind of scanned through it, and one of the things that jumped out at me was 
the stimulus package, I don't know if you know this or not, it's, it's written down. All, financial institu- uh, all, bank, all banks will become financial institutions of the federal government. That is socialism. Period. Well, we've already hit socialism. It's just the next step in the socialist direction that the country's already been going in for uh, decades. And McCain would so, have been socialist in different ways. He would yeah. have expanded yeah. government I mean, dramatically in other ways. What, 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 what are we going to do about it? Because, you see, my, I, I agree with you. Everything you've yeah. said, I agree with entirely. I think I'm a little further down the road than you are in that um, I believe that the only thing that's going to... The only thing that we can do is secede uh, individual states. I'd like to see individual states secede. I'd actually like it to be that uh, I could secede my own little property. However, I'm, I, I know what happened to Ed Brown up in, uh, you know, north of here in New Hampshire when he tried to do just that. They, uh, they came in and they, uh, you know, pointed guns at Did him. Did he declare secession? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's well, see, what you've got, guys, you've got whole generations of people that have become dependent on the government. That's true, and they'll vote and, for the government every single time as a result. And here in Louisiana, you know, you saw that with Katrina. Yep. Just, just, just you know, right on national news every night. So what do you propose to do about that? Well, what you've got, I mean, it's, it's going to be brutal what you've got to do. What do you mean? You've got to stop entitlement programs. How are you going to do that? You just got to stop. You but, just got to have. You act like that's the only problem with government is <laughs> right. entitlement programs. Right. Yeah. Entitlement that, programs that, are the, the, the smallest things r- r- with the government. That, well, the, the, yeah, I agree. I mean, taxes and but entitlement programs I see are the the main one of the main things because once people start depending on themselves. Um, that would be wonderful. People would start depending on themselves, but you you kind of uh, defeated your own question. I mean, you or your own point. You said that well, the entitlement programs need to be wiped out. And even if we just focus on that, and not the fact that government itself is tyranny and government is slavery, but uh, if we just focus on the entitlement programs objection, you made the point right before that that the people that are supported by the government will continue to support the government. So if the government has a, a big entitlement program and there are a bunch of people getting entitlements then they're going to vote for the entitlement programs every right. single time. So, right. again, I ask you, how do you expect to change that? Well, see, it's getting hard to now. I know Obama oh, and the Democrats are making it more difficult. Wait, what, <laughs> if, if, if just per chance, instead of hard, if it was impossible, what would be your solution? If it was impossible, impossible. to stop the growth of the federal government, would you be willing to say, all right, I love America, I love the flag, I love the Star-Spangled Banner, even though I think America the Beautiful was a better, is a better song and should have been the national anthem. I, I, I love all those things. I'm just going to say that I think the secession's better. That Louisiana should take its, uh, you know, to, to take out on its own, and we should uh, handle our own. Problems. The Bayou Republic. <laughs> yeah, we've got that down here right now with our with our, with our form of politics, I think. But uh, but no, I mean, you know, that's, no, that's you would not. Realistic. Now, what you well, got to you think it's, it's unrealistic. Okay. You, you think it's you know secession's unrealistic. No. However, you do think that getting the federal government back into some kind of semblance of order is um, is is somehow realistic. Are you familiar, uh, sir, with uh, the kind of entitlements that were going to the railroad companies in the eighteen forties uh, oh, yeah. and fifties? Yeah. Okay, Huge. entitlements been happening a long time in these United States of America, and they're not going to stop because you and I think they're a bad idea. And just to put it in perspective, you're being taxed a lot more for imperialism, uh, imperialism than you are for entitlement yeah. programs. The things, that go, them both, don't the things that, wrong, that go boom but. cost more. You mean like the war in Iraq? It goes Absolutely. boom, right? Yes. That and maintaining bases in a lot of other countries. Imperialism. Ex- yeah. Your thoughts, sir? Oh, I have, I have a thought about the war in Iraq. I think it was worth it. 
You think it was okay, worth so it? Okay, well, so I you, don't. I'll tell They're you not, what. You what, get what, together with the people, who, the other people who you think it's worth it, and write a check for it, so that right. the, so that and, and stop stealing money from people. So to about pay for entitlements, it. sir. Um, you feel entitled to have a military that goes into Iraq. I, however, do not want that because I think that killing little brown people a half a world away is not going to do anything in order to keep us free. Now, what do you want to do about your entitlement program? About the military? Yeah. It's we, have, have, we, have to, we have to have a military. Uh, How is that an entitlement program? Wait, wait well, a second. Talk to a have Democrat, read, and they're going to tell just, you we have to have those entitlement programs. The Constitution so. <laughs> says the military is supposed to stand down after two years, that the uh, Congress can only uh, have it up for two years. Essentially, a standing army is it was if even though it doesn't say it explicitly in the constitution is counter to what the founding fathers wanted to put in that document jefferson said it was a danger to liberty didn't he yeah well, we've got people in this in the in the world these days that want to kill us we have to have excuses we've got, we've why we've got people that want to take our us? liberties away <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't. Yeah, please, guys, take it. Take it easy. We've got people that want to take our liberties away. Right, the people that want to kill us. No, no, no. You want to take my liberty away. You want my money in order to fund your military. I don't want to pay it. Right. Here, think about this. You don't want a military. What is it? Hang a minute. Hang a minute. You do not want a military. I'd like to see a militia. Okay. Define. Okay. Militia meaning what? Uh, Meaning citizens with guns. Our borders. What's Voluntarily that? funded. Citizens with guns. Citizens with guns. Here's my question for you. If okay. uh, Mark here, who does not want to pay for this current military, nor do I, or I don't think Dale does either, if all of us decide to withhold our money from the federal government in protest of the uh, entitlement programs and the military, what would you have done to us? Well, you're breaking the law. What would you have done, sir? I don't know. Whatever the tax code says, I guess you eventually get several warnings to go to jail. What if I don't want to go to jail, sir? What if I don't want to go to jail? They hunt. They 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 come get you. And would (laughs) you support that? Would Would you support that? If you break the law, yeah. You're taking my freedom away, sir. Thank you. Goodbye. 800-259-9231, you sicko. Hour well, number three is coming everybody's up. Everybody's got their, li- their thing that they want. He wants the military. It's all and entitlement programs. And he's willing program. to kill you. He's willing to have you killed. Same with the welfare people. Yep. Hour three's on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. We're launching here in hour number three. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Continue with your phone calls here. And then we were talking about government entitlement programs, uh, the military being an entitlement program. We'll give you a real-life example of that here in moments. Uh, But first, we go to Eddie in Ohio. Eddie, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Eddie in Ohio going once. He's going, oh, I'm sorry. All right, let's go to John in Indiana. John, you are on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, John, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, uh, This is Sean. Sean, you're on the air. Yeah, not John, Sean. Um, I want to talk to you about, oh, I made a mistake when I talked to your call screener. Um, It's Massachusetts, not New York. That's fine. Go ahead with whatever you're calling about. Yeah, there's a thing in Massachusetts where they're going to charge a 5% premium on sugar sugar snacks like pop and donuts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I want to know your opinion on this. Uh, 
Are you serious? Are you serious? Yeah. You, you, uh, how long have you listened it, to the show? Stinks. How, how long have you listened to this show? Uh, Free Talk Live, you mean? Yes, sir. Uh, about three months. Okay. Well, we think it stinks. Yeah, um, it's We think that uh, if you uh, make a, a sugary snack for a living and uh, you want to sell it to someone uh, that, and they want to buy a sugary snack to consume and enjoy the its tasty goodness, that you should be able to do that freely and that the government shouldn't be able shouldn't have to get involved and you shouldn't have to pay them any money as a sin tax or anything like that. How do you tax. feel yeah. about it? Well, I mean, I agree with you about that, but what I want to know is, is I'm going to propose something and I want to see if you agree with it. All right, After go for I read it. This can I read a couple of paragraphs from the article first? Maybe. Let's find out. Go ahead. I mean, if it's real short. Yeah, it's real yep. short. It Go says, ahead. when Governor Daniel Patrick proposed a 5% premium on sugary treats this week, his administration presented it as a syntax. But then later on in the article, it said, John Arbach, the Massachusetts Public Health Commissioner, acknowledged in an interview that the main objective of the sugar tax is revenue generation, not behavior modification. Now, when John Arbach said that, I think he needs to be arrested for theft by deception because he's taken 5% of the money that you're spending on sugar treats, and he's not doing it for what the law says he's doing it. I think he needs to be arrested. What do you think? Well, I, arrest would be great, um, and, and I just don't think that the politicians are going to get arrested for breaking the no. law because they don't. You're saying yeah, the law I know is... he's not going to get arrested, but I want him to. So you're <laughs> saying the law specifies that the purpose is for behavior modification? Yes. Yeah, the law says that the purpose is for behavior modification because they don't want you to buy sugar that's going to make you fat because that costs the health care money. So they say. Yeah, but then the public health commissioner said that it's about the, the law money. says that, but yeah. he wants it to be only for money generation and mm -hmm. not behavior modification. Well, I think that more so bureaucrats... he needs to be arrested. Well, I'm sure that if, if more bureaucrats were arrested for not following their own rules, that would probably whip their system into shape just a little bit. Um, so I generally would agree with that sentiment. Then he'd lie. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, thanks for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. But they don't enforce their own laws upon themselves. They have a set of rules they're supposed to follow. And they can't even follow the, the first set of rules. They can't even follow their own constitutions let alone the remainder of the thousands upon thousands of pages of laws that they create for themselves, and you and I. They can't even follow the first document. How anyone can expect them to follow the others is really ludicrous. That, that's why I don't expect a new constitution to fix the problem. No doubt about it. Let's talk to Gene in Tennessee, Gene the Christian Anarchist on the amp line. Actually, I'm in St. Louis right now. Well, what's on your mind tonight, Gene? I was going to talk about uh, what you guys were discussing yesterday regarding uh, the rights in a democracy and the rights in a republic versus the rights in a republic and so on and so forth. And I wanted to point out that your rights are, are by the fact that you were created. Your creator created you with your rights. So your rights exist as long as you exist, and therefore they follow you wherever you go. If I go... To the moon, I have the exact same rights as I have when I'm in St. Louis. Now, if I go to China, when I'm in Beijing, I again have the exact same rights that I have when I'm here. Well, the question no is difference. whether or not other people calling themselves government will uh, will honor your rights. That's really the question, right? It bugs me the, when, the when they say. Question, yeah. 
It bugs me when they say yep. that when someone says that, that the New Hampshire government is going to take away some rights from us because they can't take away our rights. They can only violate our rights. That is correct. And we need to use the correct terminology so that people don't get confused. Our rights exist because we exist. And all that can happen to us is our rights can be violated. Our right to life can be violated, and they can, and someone can kill us. But it's always a person who kills us or violates our rights. It's never a government, because a government is a fiction. That's true. So there's always, there's always a man with a gun, typically wearing a blue uniform, that violates your rights. It, and that person, that man, has a name. His name is John Doe or whatever. So... The person that violates your rights is the man with the gun, or it could be just a, a, you know, your neighbor down the street. But everyone who violates your rights has a name. And your rights are, um, you know, they exist as long as you do, and they exist wherever you are. If you fly to Mars, you have the same rights that you have here. Good points and, tonight, Gene. Anything else? Well, um, Really, that was the, the, the point I wanted to drive across tonight is that our rights I think you did it well. Exist as long as, all right, well, thank, thank you. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Will do. Oh, oh darn it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the insidious laugh that you hung up on him. <laughs> the insidiousness of collectivism is that we get this sense of being, we get absolved of our sense of responsibility that we would normally feel if any particular individual violated someone's rights because we get that sense of, well, I'm doing my job or following orders or. Right. Like, well, like that last guy we talked to at uh, the end of the at the hour there, who essentially said that, well, yeah, if you don't pay taxes, you should go to jail, and if you don't want to go to jail, they should hurt you. He wouldn't feel responsible for the actual harm that would be brought to you in that case. However, he does uh, explicitly support it. He was endorsing yeah. it right yeah. there. No one would feel responsible. I mean, everyone involved would be um, would be basically. Giving that responsibility to someone else, whoever's orders they were following. Right. If it was a politician, they would be following the law that's on a piece of paper. The people who wrote the law on the piece of paper, they were, that was voted for. And so a majority of people support it. There's no specific, no one has a sense of responsibility for right. the thing that actually happened. It was a secret ballot anyway. I mean, so even if you wanted to blame the voters, <laughs> you don't even know who it was that voted for it. So right. it was a secret ballot, and so it was just essentially created from thin air. All and, listen, and listen to the language of the people who say they're voting defensively. They say, well, I don't like the system, and I'm a voluntarist, but I'm going to vote defensively. I'm going to vote for the lesser evil, you know. They're going to try, you know, and someone who's voting for the lesser evil, they don't feel responsible. I, I, I voted for the lesser evil. I voted to I tried to make less harm, right? So well, even if no the lesser evil, you're right. Even if the lesser evil wins, they're still... They're going to harm someone. Doing evil. 800-259-9231. Roy is on the line in New Hampshire. Or excuse me, New York, rather. Roy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. How are you? What's on your mind tonight, Roy? Well, it's uh, that year, time of year again. I'm getting all my tax forms and everything for my job and investments and all that. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, I know. I think uh, you said you bowed out of that, but uh, yeah, as an employee, did. I don't have that luxury. But um, anyway, I was calling about that. There's... Um, uh, pretty neat. It's not even really a trick you could do, but if you just, uh, I'm going to advise everybody to have a look into this. Uh, you can increase the exemptions that you take on your W-2, which will put more money in your pocket every pay period, and it keeps it out of the hands of the government until uh, it's time, you know, April 15th, where you actually have to, then you have to make up the difference and send it to them. But at least you're not giving you them an interest-free loan. You have to be careful about loan. that. 
What's yeah, that? I, I'm, I'm familiar with that, but you have to be careful about it because if, if you go overboard by a certain number, I don't know the numbers, so there's a certain amount if you go more than, they will start asking you to file four times a year. Whoa. Uh, yeah, they will. Yeah. Um, You'll have to start making a payment to government uh, on a on a regular basis, well, and or they'll ask you to. They actually did it one year, and it was because of an unusual uh, an unusual thing that happened, and it happened one year, and I just ignored that. I never they never followed up on it because I wasn't continuing to do it. But yeah, I was gonna get to that. Actually. It's a good suggestion, though. Uh, you know, the idea that you then hold on to your money as long as possible instead of them holding on to it, maybe even making interest uh, interest off of it. Thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. You can bring up what you want. Obviously, the ideal situation would be to withdraw your consent and participation entirely. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the single CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away. So enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Those features include the archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, click and download right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience, freetalklive.com. Join more than half a million people who've trusted LegalZoom.com for their common legal documents, incorporate your business, create a living will or a trust, uh, even register a trademark, empowering you, protecting you with common legal documents that people trust. LegalZoom.com, that's LegalZoom.com. If you use code FTL, you can save $10 off your order. It's already fast and easy and a heck of a lot cheaper than using a lawyer. LegalZoom.com. We continue with your phone calls, and we go to Michael in Kentucky. Michael, you're on Free Talk Live. Oh, hey, guys. How are you doing this evening? That's great. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I was just uh, going to mention something. We had that caller, you know, he was talking about, uh, entitled programs and programs that he's okay with having, but mm-hmm. ones that he doesn't, he's okay putting you in jail. You don't yes. pay the taxes. There's a Ridley report about bazooka freedom. Have you seen that video? I've seen a lot of the Ridley reports. So I'm not sure if I recall. It, basically, it, the idea is if we didn't spend the money on the, the soldiers and the military, we just allowed people to own you know, the guns and the bazookas or whatever, that we'd be much safer than having a standing army. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's true for police, too. Yeah. And, but uh, I, I understand that how that guy is coming from. I used to be a big conservative kind of guy. Same here. You know, I, I, I didn't want a lot of taxes, but I'm okay having a gigantic military because they're defending our freedom. <laughs> I, I, was a, I, I was an apologist for the Iraq war, and I, and I, you know, I look back on it now. I was even on a radio show uh, once um, arguing, defending the Iraq war. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <Yeah. laughs> this one. But, I mean... <laughs> I've, I've uh, argued against uh, with my brother-in-law. He's a liberal, and I was doing the conservative line, trying to explain it all away. But when you see how much freedoms you're losing over the years, and the line is that the terrorists hate us for our freedoms, it's it's hard to believe it. <laughs> right. You, <laughs> you know, you don't, you, <laughs> often uh, the conservative types they don't like uh, you know big government. They don't like uh, bureaucrats meddling in their lives. But the fact is, the army is just bureaucrats. It's mm-hmm. bureaucrats with guns. It's the post office in fatigues. They, right. you know, I'm sorry, they're extraordinarily inefficient. And I know if you if you like the military, you believe they're defending freedom. I'd I'd ask you when was the last time a battle was fought on American soil? Well, exactly. was that Pearl Harbor? Mm, not a state at the time. As a matter of fact, we took these Sandwich Islands over from Great Britain, um, and those people would have liked to have been free on their own. So I'd call that conquered land. But you can you can say it was Pearl Harbor. So it was mm, six or seven decades ago. 
And I don't know that we necessarily had to participate in the Pacific uh, theater of the uh, World War II. We certainly didn't have to go bother with uh, Germany over there in, in World War II. But before that, a Mexican-American war? Maybe? Maybe that was on American yeah. soil? Uh, really, the, the best, most legitimate war we fought was the Revolutionary War. And I'd still say that, uh, you know, that the big government people we, took was, over there. That was a voluntarious war, too, because we went, really hadn't. Uh, I mean, for the most part, for a large part, we hadn't formed our Constitution and all of that when we were fighting that. So one of our most effective wars, we fought it as, uh, you know, with militias. Right. Know? So uh, well, Ian, the thing is, so Ian, I tried to get that guy to answer. Uh, I didn't. I didn't get a chance. I was saying why. You know, he's saying, well, people hate us. Like, why do you think they hate us? Because we're imperialists. He's saying, well, we, he's defending imperialism because people hate us. And I'm like, but that's the reason they hate us in the first place. That's something that Ron Paul talked about quite a lot, and it was one, he was yeah. he was very correct on it. That we have bases in other people's countries. It's not because they don't hate us because of our freedoms. They don't hate us because we're not Muslim. They, they hate us because we're occupying their lands and because we're supporting their enemies and things like that. <laughs> so. Michael? Are they backwards over there? Sure they are. What difference does it make? There's backwards people all over the world. What do we have to go killing them for? Well, That's a pretty backwards thing right there. I mean, the, the whole idea of initiating force on people is pretty backwards right here in this country. So what other thoughts do you have for us tonight? Well, that's, uh, that's kind of the thing you say, Ian, that if there was no government, then there, was, there wouldn't be a conflict with other nations. They wouldn't have a reason to want to do us harm. Right, all the really big conflicts. All the really big conflicts have been right. with governments. I mean, it takes what, a gov- it takes an authority, a government like that, to cause those sorts of uh, strife. But even if even if someone did want to do us harm, if we had the freedom to actually possess, like, isn't there Switzerland? They, everyone has a machine gun. Yeah, yeah, it's well, not exactly like the that. freedom because uh, the the law requires that every male right, over the age of eighteen has a um, has a gun, and in Switzerland, and I I don't think that that's a bad idea to have a gun. However, I think it's a bad idea to force people to do anything, right. including that. But um, y- they managed to fight. The Armenian War was financed entirely uh, through voluntary donations here in America, mostly. America was the place to get the money from. And I believe it, uh, Armenian Civil War, I believe it came right after World War One. Maybe it was right after World War Two. I'm sorry if I, don't, I can't get it off the top of my head. But they did it entirely through voluntary funding. It's also true that the IRA, um, and, and I know that they're not as popular as uh, the Armenians being Christian folks getting their freedom, but the IRA funded its war against Great Britain through voluntary funding right here in the United States. You can't tell me that you can't voluntarily fund an army that can mm. uh, you know, wipe out whatever bad person is doing whatever bad thing and do it a heck of a lot more efficiently without involving people that don't, that don't want to be involved. I don't want to be involved. We'd be, we wouldn't be involved in a lot of really sketchy wars if people had to get, reach into their pocket and pay for it voluntarily either. I mean, Absolutely. that would be quite a check on violence right there. Is if, yep. people, if you really are a fear, a fearing for your life, especially the people who have the most to lose, who are, which is the wealthy people, those who are really in fear of losing something, they will fund some uh, defense if, if, they really, if there's true fear there. A General Smedley Butler, two-time winner of the uh, Medal of Honor, wrote a book called War is a Racket. He said that you know, the war is the health of the state, that you've got to watch out for these people. They will fight wars all over the place. Uh, Dwight and D. Eisenhower, that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. Dwight D. Eisenhower said, beware the military-industrial complex. Republicans, listen to me. They are lying to you about the danger that you're in. They're scaring you so that they can go kill people and make, you know, make things that go boom. It costs a lot of money to make those things that go boom. And the companies that make those things that go boom want you to be forced to have to pay for them. 
Thank you, Michael, for the call tonight. In fact, speaking of those companies and those things, I was on a website just looking at some show prep, and I noticed an advertisement for a website, Preserve Raptor Jobs. Preserve <laughs> Raptor Jobs now. Production of the world's most advanced fighter aircraft, the F-22 Raptor, is in jeopardy. Your help is needed to urge the Obama administration to save more than 95,000 American jobs and more than 12 billion in national economic activity. Now, it's true that it is economic activity in that it's money transferring from one account to another, uh, but it's not productive economic activity. It's not activity that's actually demanded by real consumers in a real free marketplace. This is activity that's created by the government for their friends in the weapons industry. Yeah, this is the broken window fallacy. There's this notion that uh, what what they're failing to acknowledge when they say we're going to save jobs, we have to keep this alive, it's going to cause economic harm, is what they don't acknowledge is that they're causing $12 billion of economic harm when they tax people to pay for this. So that's $12 billion billion that that would have been in the market and would have been selected, you know, it would have been selected by the market by what people need. So... It's 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 just shifting it from one place to another. It's not creating anything. And there's a really I'm going to continue with this here in a moment. We'll also continue with your phone calls. Just a little bit more about this Preserve Raptor Jobs website. Well, you hear their line, what their uh, their sales pitch here. Obviously, they're pitching to the military supporters out there, and uh, we'll get to it here in moments. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want if you dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give to you, including the bulletin board system with over 400,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about there. Serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. A few more thoughts here. We'll get right back into your phone calls in moments. Uh, Preserve Raptor Jobs. Saw a link on the Internet. Figured I'd see what that was all about. And indeed, it's a perfect example of the military-industrial complex in action and perfect example of how all it really is, the military-industrial complex, is yet another government program where people in power grant special favors to their buddies in industry. And that's what's happening here. It's welfare for Republicans. Yes. In fact, uh, this is what the website says. Act now to save the F-22 Raptor. It's in jeopardy. Uh, Basically, if Obama doesn't sign a piece of paper... At the beginning of his term, then the Raptor production will be halted, meaning that the people whose jobs depend on the Raptors will allegedly lose their jobs, and uh, the whoever's horrible things will happen. Yeah, uh, here's what their here's their excuse. This is their pitch. And remember, this is being targeted at uh, the this is being targeted at the conservative types, the law and order, military type uh, folks. Here's what their pitch is. Keeping the production line of this model aerospace program open is not another bailout. Rather, it simply requires that the new administration release funds already authorized by Congress to continue a successful program. 
By law, President-elect Obama must decide whether to continue the Raptor program during his first weeks in office. Please fill out this petition and send it to blah, 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 blah. So they're saying, hey, we know you guys are concerned about the bailout, but this isn't a bailout. It's an already existing program that we're just authorizing to continue in perpetuity. It's no big deal. You know, the, this uh, a stimulus package that the, that all the Republicans are so upset about because it's full of pork is really just a program to build roads and bridges and infrastructure and, mm-hmm. and, and bullcrap in, in your local community. I mean, what's the problem what's wrong with that? With that right? What's wrong yeah. with it? Well, I'll tell you what's wrong with it. When the government when when, when the government gets involved, spending gets out of hand. It's uh, n- nothing comes in, uh, um, you know, on time or in budget because the government doesn't really care. It's not their money. It's oh. yours, and that's the same thing's true with the Raptor F twenty two. Oh yeah, see, but they don't see that, do they? Because that's their favorite program. It's easy for the these conservative types to see the waste in other government programs. But when it comes to their favorite program, oh, well, $12 billion, we need to have that money spent because we need more of these planes to bomb brown people around it's, the world. It's not exactly what that guy sounded like when he was saying, uh, when he was saying that, um, oh, these, um, these uh, oh, what did he call them? I'm not blanking. Entitlement programs yeah. are so bad. But we got to have a, a military. We got to have the war in Iraq. The war in Iraq was worth it. You know, so it's like, once again, it was his right. baby in government. He was protecting his baby, other people protecting their baby, and so we get all of it, and we get all Nothing of it Nothing the government's ever done has been worth it. Nothing. I mean, they, they can't do anything. Um, in, they are not incentivized in the manner of a free market, so the things that they uh, produce are not worth what they've gotten produced. We continue with your phone calls. Chris is on the line in New Hampshire. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Chris. New Hampshire, Chris. Are you there, sir? Chris going once? Chris, yes. Can you hey, hear me? there you are. Hey. This is Chris Lawless. Yeah. Chris Lawless, the organizer of the 2009 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Welcome to Free Talk Live. Hey, Chris. Thank you. Hi, guys. Chris, hey, you're Dale. supposed to you're supposed to uh, identify yourself as Dreepa. That that way we know who we're talking to, talking to. <laughs> this is the Dreepa calling. Dreepa on the forums. So, what are you calling about tonight? Um, I have four quick updates for you about the Liberty Forum. I wanted to just fill you in on some changes since the last time I called in. Okay, please do. The first thing we have on um, Thursday night, uh, we have something a little bit different this year. We're going to actually have a comedian. Really? His name is Aaron David Ward, and he's a libertarian, and he contacted me. I've watched a bunch of his stuff on YouTube, and he'll be performing about 7, 8 o'clock on uh, Thursday night. That's really awesome. Very cool. A reason for people to uh, to arrive early at the uh, New Hampshire Liberty Forum, which we've been talking about for months now on the show. It's coming up in early March, first weekend in March the 5th through the 8th. It's going to be through, uh, again, Thursday through Sunday. Lots of stuff is going to be happening. Uh, the schedule is now up at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. You can get a discount of 10% by using the Free Talk Live discount code, which is 2009FTL. That's 2009FTL. And the, the, I mean, there's just this whole list of speakers. Are you calling to announce a new new speaker in one of your four things? I do. I have three new speakers besides the comedian. Okay. Um, one is a guy named Tom Mullen. He wrote a book called um, A Return to Common Sense. Basically, people might remember the book Common Sense by Tom Paine, who kind of awakened the uh, revolutionary spirit. Mm-hmm. And he wants to do the same thing. He wants to reawaken liberty in America. So that's a great he, idea. Um, yeah, he's it's got a great book. He'll be up there talking about his book and you know speaking about common sense. Cool. Who else? So I also have um, 
Representative Itza, who's making kind of a big splash over the Internet these days, he proposed a bill that was heard today in New Hampshire, um, a resolution affirming the state's rights based on Jeffersonian principles. We've been getting a lot of emails about that particular piece of legislation, and I heard that there was a really great turnout today to, uh, in support of it. So all indicators, early indicators at least, are pretty positive on this thing. So the uh, so one of the sponsors will be there to answer questions and talk to people? Yes, he'll be talking about the New Hampshire Constitution, what makes it unique, and he'll be talking about this uh resolution in particular hopefully it will have passed by then which will be absolutely fantastic oh yeah well who else and then um our friday night keynote speaker will be mary ruart from healing our world mm, that's, that's the one that really got me excited that yeah i'm pretty jazzed up i mean we already knew that she was going to be at the liberty forum but this is pretty uh this pretty big news that you've decided to essentially promote her to the friday night uh keynote speech that's a big deal yeah absolutely she i mean how can you not love her book it's really as simple as that, and she is what everyone – if you read that book and you're not a libertarian, maybe you don't know how to read. You know? <laughs> or you're just a black-hearted uh, sicko. That's a possibility. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be honest. I wasn't really excited about doing keynote dinners, and I was going to try and sell my keynote dinner tickets or something, and now I want to go. So, Right. Um, hopefully next week I'll have the closing speaker, which I know at least all three of you will love. I'm just trying to work out some logistics with the speaker. Um, so hopefully I can call back. And there tantalizing, is one other Chris. Minor tantalizing. That, I say tantalizing. tantalizing. What else do you have for us tonight? Well, one small thing is I, many people might know that uh, SACL CII is boycotting Liberty Forum. I think everyone should call Jason up and tell him he should be coming to New Hampshire to uh, participate in the Liberty Forum. Well, Just now, wait a minute. Yeah. All right, now that you've brought this out on the air, we're <laughs> going to talk about it because we've been avoiding discussing this. Uh, you know, simply because obviously we want to promote the Liberty Forum and not uh, say anything negative. Yeah, the, the reason and Jason, Jason asked us, you know, to you know to, to do the right thing, to, to be nice, they, he asked us to. So, so uh, I mean, I'm not going to speak for Jason. I'm going to uh, recount my understanding of the situation. Uh, it was at the last year's Liberty Forum. He was enjoying some beverages, uh, some adult beverages, and they cut him off at a certain point. He was pre- like Labar- the big Labarski. <laughs> he was pretty upset about being cut off, as he had not caught caused any sort of problem, um, to my understanding, and the hotel refused to do anything to really make good with a customer who spent, I believe, over $600 on drinks in one evening alone, if I'm not mistaken. And so the, the hotel was not willing to uh, do anything for that for him as a customer. That was my impression, too. He's, yeah. He wasn't boycotting Liberty for him. He was boycotting uh, the, crown, the, uh, the oh, hotel. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. Everything you've just said is 100% factual. So I so, hold no ill will towards Jason at all. He knows that. So, I wish he'd come. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I do too. So, but uh, but you know what? I actually respect his decision. We had long talks about it. So. So speaking it's of the hotel, mind. there, Dripa, um, you you uh, t- told me in an email that there's no smoking in the hotel now. Now, please tell me that this is a hotel rule and not a New Hampshire law that slipped by me. This the hotel chain voluntarily went smoking free on January first. Okay. It is not a law. They decided on their own to do this. Okay. All right. So there you go. Update from the Liberty Forum. Chris that, Lawless. I hope that's just for tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Thanks, Chris, for the call tonight and the update. More. Uh, if you want more on the Liberty Forum, head over to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. Uh, Dr. Mary Ruart now announced as the Friday night keynote speaker. And I've got my fingers crossed. If we're lucky, she'll sign up for the Free State Project over that weekend, maybe while she's on stage. That would be really cool. It's Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Maybe enough time for your call at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. Join us on our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features we give to you free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. If you want to help Free Talk Live, you can learn how to promote the show over at promote.freetalklive.com. A long list of things you can do that are mostly completely free. There are a few low-cost things in there as well. Great ways to get the show into more ears around the world uh, over at promote.freetalklive.com. As we go to your phone calls and we talk to Brandon in Texas. Brandon, you're on Free Talk Live. Brandon in Texas. Hello. You are on the air. Hi. Uh, how you guys? What's on your mind, Brandon? Uh, I wanted to call in about a uh, the uh, how how charities would work in the free market. How how um, how uh, nowadays uh, charities are incentivized monetarily to not uh, hoard their money and not not to do things by profit because of uh, tax incentives, right? I don't and know so, much about um, how charities work today. You're saying they're in, they're incentivized to spend everything. No, they're how they're incentivized to uh, be honest and not uh, be for profit because of uh, tax benefits. I'm I'm okay. still a little confused as to what you're. Well, you're, you're at. saying they're tax free because they're charities as opposed to being businesses. Right, right. I was wondering how in the free market, since um, what incentives they have to be honest in the free market, since there's no government. Um, there's a, there's giving them the reason to 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 be honest. There. there are other ways of oversight of organizations that are much more effective. I mean, people, you build a reputation, and if you want people to donate money to you, you need to you need to be as transparent as possible. I mean, they, you need to build trust in them. So, uh, but, and the the number one answer is competition, and it's the it's the reason why they're honest today is not necessarily because there's government regulations around, but because. Somebody else can go and start up a competing charity and say, well, okay, well, if these guys are shifty over here, if I just show how transparent my operation is, then I'll get some of their donations over in in my operation. And so it's the competition in the charitable marketplace that keeps people honest, and that competition would continue and would be even uh, probably more – probably better – in the absence of the government regulations, because you could support whatever you wanted to support based on the reasons you thought they were worth supporting. And I imagine, I can't even imagine how much more efficiency they'll get, how much more bang for the buck they'll be able to accomplish with uh, without all the oversight and regulations and, and crap they have to put up with right now. Brandon? Yeah. Well, you know, I just I, I like to, to to play devil's advocate, and I was uh, trying to argue this with a socialist the other day. He kind of got me there. Yep. He tried to give me the... Um, how I I I, uh, I told him well there would be like rating um, rating companies that would give sort of a charities a stamp of approval saying that they're okay and he gave me with uh, well what would keep the charities from paying them off and, and I you know it was just uh, they're doing that now with government I mean not just not just charities but almost every organization out there is you know buying off government it's 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 extremely expedient to do right now is to lobby the government. To get things the way you want them. Right. People want transparency in their charities. People want to know that their money's going where they, um, where they want it to go. Some people are willing to look into that harder than others. But a charity 
can't make it if somebody's looking into it hard and then finds out and then hey, publicizes right yeah. then publicizes it and on the internet in the world of the internet information flows very quickly some of that information is this charity stinks and they you know it's just not gonna you so, just can't do it you I, cannot run a charity anymore that uh, isn't transparent enough I mean I'm I, sure there's some out there little ones but they're not going to get to be big they're not going to be important. I think it, what bothers me is a lot of people have this notion that they want to like that we can, we look we do not live in a perfect world. Corruption is is something that's going to happen no matter what. And 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 the most important thing to acknowledge and realize is that government isn't preventing it. Not not you know quite the opposite. In fact, it's institutionalizing it. <laughs> right. So it's it's not that corruption is going to go away and that we aren't going to have any corruption if the government's not there. It's just we're just getting rid of like the biggest the biggest worst one. That's all. Does that help, Brandon? Yeah, yeah, it does. Thanks for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Eddie in Ohio. Nope, he's gone. Let's talk to Sean in Minnesota. Sean, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, good evening to you guys. Sean, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, one, one story that, that one of the other broadcasters on your network reported today that really caught my attention was there's uh, some kind of scandal around one of the big peanut butter manufacturers because I guess they had a batch that was tainted with salmonella. I heard about and, that. Huh? I said I'd heard about that. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and now there's there's consumer advocacy organizations and there's some politicians who are jumping on board calling calling for expansion of the FDA's authority and oh boy. and to give the and to give the FDA the, the 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 authority to track purchases now of anything made in a food factory and and, and there's two things that that concern me about that one uh it it it, it's going to make it cost prohibitive for any small food manufacturers be, 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 because the level of regulation that the FDA will be imposing if this kind of legislation passes mm-hmm. is just going to be off the charts. Two, we're looking at a very, very, very serious threat to to civil liberties civil liberties if the if the FD or any other federal agency for that matter gets expanded authority to track everything with with those microchips or whatever other type of tool they might use for tracking. Yeah, that sounds like quite a overarching bureaucracy that you're talking about. You're saying is if I'm understanding you right, you're saying that these new FDA regulations may require that a manufacturer of a, a food product somehow track out exactly uh to to where i mean already there's 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 inventory and tracking and things like that but you're talking about laying over yeah. some sort of bureaucratic oversight to this where the federal bureaucracy will essentially have access to all shipping records and uh information yeah. about what was shipped to where and when and all of that will essentially then become available yeah. to the federal government and i think you're absolutely right when you point out that a small manufacturer that may be doing a little bit of business in a regional of, of sort of capacity is going to have a difficult time implementing a, a system like that. Oh, oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, it, it it will make it 
cost prohibitive for for any small or even mid-sized ma- manufacturer to even stay in business. They're the, looking the, at the, really the, putting the, a lot of people out of business here because if that's going to go on in the yes. food uh, the food realm, we were just talking last night about the new toy regulations that are going to put small toy manufacturers out of business because they'll have to do all kinds of yes. testing on their toys. We're going to be down to uh, you know just the big boys here within the next few years. The way it's sounding like they're going to regulate the little guys right out of business. You know, this is yeah. totally yeah. bass backwards to yeah. the way the market works. Any anything that fa- if something fails in the market, it fails and goes away, and something better replaces it. It's uh, in, in in government, it's like it's never it never occurs to them that the program, the FDA, you know, failed to stop the salmonella or whatever. It never occurs to them that the FDA is a bad idea. It always means that it doesn't have enough money. It's it's notorious in the education system. The education system keeps getting worse and worse, and so they keep pumping more and more money into it, and and it doesn't. It just keeps getting worse, and the answer is always, oh, it doesn't have enough money. Sean, good call tonight. Thank you for it. Let's talk to Jonathan in Oklahoma. Jonathan, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Dale and Mark. Hey, gentlemen. How's it going? Just great. What's on your mind? Uh, I just wanted to – I was listening to a podcast a few nights ago about uh, the drug war. It was a very interesting show. And I wanted to just bring up a point that um, everybody seemed to miss if legalization of drugs was um, was possible or if it, if it did come true. The, the pharmacy companies could step in there and make these drugs – possibly less addictive, it would give them the opportunity to expand and maybe make these drugs less addictive, you know, uh, less side effects, and all, I mean, the, the, the opportunities they are... Yeah, they could do that, or they could come up with... Uh, I mean, look at the cigarette industry. You've got the cigarettes on one side, and then all the patches and the gums and stuff like that <laughs> right. on the other. I know. So I mean, you can come out with all kinds of things. Quite a wreck, it, I, I know. I just it, Nobody seemed to bring that up, and I just wanted to... Get my two cents in there and uh, let you, you know, just let you know what I was thinking. So, thanks for the thank observation tonight and the thoughts. Really appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So, by the way, need to talk about your website tonight, Dale. We haven't done oh. that yet. Uh, you are a cartoonist by trade, and uh, you are producing the, I think, the first. But I believe now not the only one, but the the first and probably right. most popular liberty-oriented cartoon in New Hampshire, and it's of course not just New Hampshire based. It's just, uh, or the, the the subject matter is not New Hampshire based. It's a lot in a lot of cases international and national, and you touch on a lot of issues. I think uh, the the comedy is good, uh, and it's worth looking. The art is great. It's worth looking at. People should head head over to anarchyinyourhead.com and take a look. Uh, they're Published twice weekly, Wednesdays yeah, and Fridays. I'm trying to do like a blog post every Monday. That's not really official, but I'm sort of trying to make that a really regular thing. I've so. actually been holding on to one of your blog posts here as some show prep. We didn't get a chance to get to it tonight, so maybe we will here uh, within the next day or so. And uh, thanks for coming in here tonight. It's been Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. All right, we're doing a special podcast bonus interview of Patri Friedman, who is, is uh, I believe, the founder of the Seasteading Institute. That's right. And uh, welcome to Free Talk Live, Patri. Uh, seasteading is something that our listeners certainly have called in about before. We've talked about on the show, uh, but I don't believe we've ever had you on the air to talk about the idea. Uh, before we get started, what's seasteading? Well, seasteading means to homestead the high seas. Basically, we're trying to open up the oceans as the next frontier. And we're motivated by political reasons, just like the free staters. Uh, We think that the same old 
rhetoric and <clears throat> proselytizing is, is just not going to do as a way to change the world, and we have to find a way to go out there and, and build freedom ourselves. I love the idea. I think uh, anything that gathers liberty-minded people together in the same place is uh, is a positive step. It's going in the right direction. Um, obviously, there are a lot of questions we can ask. Yeah, well, what's the, um, you know, the sort of, the idea here is that to make uh, sort of on-sea platforms, right? That's right. Well, tell us about these platforms. Well, uh, the initial one that we've had designed looks something like an oil platform. It's got four big pillars and a, a platform with buildings on it hanging from that. Um, and I think that initial seasteads will tend to be these pillar platforms where the pillar holds the buildings way above the water so that they, they aren't hit by the waves. But in the distant future, in order to really make sea cities, I think there's going to be a transition to having big circular breakwaters, like walls that protect the city, um, because the cost of your breakwater goes up with the circumference of the circle. The area protects goes up with the area, so you get economies of scale that will make a big ocean city much, much cheaper with these big walls. Hmm. Now, I, I, I can imagine that, uh, you know, when you, start of t- when you start thinking about the time and the money that's going to go into making some place more free, uh, significantly more free than what we currently have in the United States and sort of safe and less volatile, um, you know, many, many of the places around the world are extraordinarily volatile, and I don't want to live there. Uh, you know, you, I can see that investing in uh, these uh, sea platforms might be a, a good way to go, and I would think that uh, – like, how would you avoid the inevitability, as it were, of government? That, that's a great question. So one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about seasteading is I think, you know, we actually have an answer to that question. And, you know, and to be fair, so does the Free State Project, right? It, it says, well – Maybe libertarians aren't succeeding because we're minorities everywhere, and if we concentrated our forces, we can make a difference. So it looks at the system, tries to figure out the rules of the system and what's preventing liberty, and change them. We're doing the same thing, except with a much more extreme change that we think can produce much more extreme results. So the way that I look at at the reason why there's so much government is, as an industry, the the government industry uh, has these horrible properties. It's got an insane barrier to entry. So every bit of rock, every, every part of land is claimed by an existing government. And in order to try out some new political system, to start a new country, basically, um, on land, you'd have to win a war, an election, or a revolution. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible barrier of entry to an industry. I mean, it would be easier to go compete with Microsoft or Google than to try to beat a country you know, on its existing land. On the ocean, it's, it's kind of a wide-open frontier. You don't have to fight existing countries. So, you know, our, our ocean platforms are expensive. I mean, they're going to cost at least tens, if not hundreds of millions, eventually billions of dollars. But that's still much, much cheaper than trying to win an election or, or win a war. Okay, and I'm going to throw out, here, uh, Go sure. ahead with your thoughts, and then I've got a t- uh, quite tough question for you. Sure. All right, so the, the second – here's the really weird thing that I didn't realize until I, I started to look at the ocean – I mean, I originally came to the ocean because it's unclaimed for that first reason. There's a lower barrier to entry. But the ocean has this crazy property where a big cruise ship or a big cargo ship is actually as big as the Empire State Building or other skyscrapers. Right. So things as large as giant buildings just move around on the ocean all the time. So the crazy thing is if you build a city on the ocean, you can build it out of these – out of modular units so that any building – 
can move from one ocean city to the other. So this remedies another reason why government works so poorly right now is it's really expensive to move from one country to the other. If you have an industry with high, what they call high customer lock-in, where it's expensive to change providers, that reduces how much competition there is between jurisdictions. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just logical. The harder it is to move between countries, the less competition there will be. So on the ocean, we'll have incredible competition between city-states because people can literally vote with their houses. Just take your house, take your office, detach it, float over to a new city-state. So I think that this, this property will just make government naturally function better on the ocean because mm-hmm. there will be more competition. So government would function better um, due to due to competition. Uh, what about like I mean, are you going to create try to create some kind of constitution for these uh, floating uh, towns of yours, or um, would they would they have to be better based on competition? And and now currently you're saying that it just costs a lot to move from one country to the next. That, so so in terms of the the specifics, I think to talk about you know the one political system that I'd want to try would be. To, to do the idea a great disservice. It's much bigger than that. We want to com- create a competitive market for government. I mean, I don't have the answer about the best way to restrain government growth. Nobody does. The way we're going to find the answer is for lots of different groups to go out there to found different cities with different constitutions, different ways of making the country work well, and they'll compete. They'll compete for citizens. We'll see what works, what doesn't. I mean, even if we all agreed on what type of society we wanted, you know, nobody knows what institutions bring about that type of society. You have to experiment, and that's what the world is lacking right now. There's no way, no good way to experiment with different political systems. I mean, the states, we were supposed to have that, but then we had the Civil War, and that kind of all went to hell. Now, um, how would you go from being a boat to being a country? So that – I do not have a good answer for that. Okay. The good news – Who knows? There's good news and bad news. The, the, there's, there's good news about the short term and bad news about the long term. So the good news is that current international maritime law offers almost a franchising system for existing countries because you can fly the flag of any country and it's like you're, you know, a floating territory of that country. So you can shop around to every country in the world for who will let you fly their flag and leave you alone. And there are countries that specialize in this flagging. So the good news is there's already kind of a, you know, it's, it, it, it's not a market that, that new countries can enter, but there's great competition among existing countries for right. these flags. So the bad news is there's no route to sovereignty. There's no you know procedure for it. It's just you have to get big enough and powerful enough to get countries to recognize you. Well, I'd like to point out that we've talked in the past about the Conk Republic on this show, and I know everybody thinks they're a big joke, uh, but it's it's Key West basically, and they at one point formed their own nation, and uh, I mean all a nation is is a concept. They don't really exist. It's just a fantasy in people's heads. So down in Key West, they said, well, we're going to create our own little fantasy for ourselves. We're going to call it the Conk Republic, and we're going to have parties and we're going to declare ourselves sovereign from the United States federal government. They did it. Do they pay federal taxes? I, I don't know if they pay federal. I, I'm not sure. What, do you mean the nation of the Conquer Republic? I don't think so. I mean the people who live in the Key West. I'm sure they do. They do. Pay taxes? I'm sure they, they do because the they're, I'm sure they do because they're cowards. You know, like most people are cowards. However, what they did do was they created the Conquer Republic passport. And they claim – I don't know if this is true or not – but they claim that they've had people 
go to other countries with the Conch Republic passport, and they were allowed to travel in those countries. So as far as I'm concerned, if you act like a nation and you believe you're a nation and you treat others as you, – you, you essentially act as though it's true, then it is real. And if your passport looks as legitimate as anybody else's passport, how is somebody in uh, you know Zaire going to know that there isn't really a country called Cistedia or the Conch Republic or whatever? So if you're if you're taking a passport around to other countries and you're getting in and you're able to go and visit those other countries, that seems like legitimacy to me. That seems like you've gotten the approval of at least, you know, those countries that have allowed you to travel to them. So, uh, I, again, I'm not saying it'll be an easy process for you, but I believe that it is possible. But my question for you. Uh, Patri, is about the issue of you had said that, well, it's it's difficult to move a bunch of people to one place and then, you know, win via the political system or have a revolution or whatever it is that you, you know, you cited a couple of different ways to sure. make some change. Uh, you said it's very difficult when you move into an existing governmental so-called jurisdiction. So let's go out into the, the water where it'll be no problem. We'll just spend a bunch of money and we'll create this city. What about invasion? You mean invasion by other countries? Yes. Sure. I mean, we're going we're gonna to have to have defense. Um, again, there's good news and bad news. The bad news is there's really nothing you can do against a major power like the U.S. Mm. The good news is that the vast majority of countries in the world can't project force very far. We'll be far away from those. There's you know levels of defense like large guns and a few missiles that's sufficient against kind of the tier two and three countries, um, and but but plenty sufficient to deter pirates. And in terms of you know if the U.S. or, or France or Canada wants to invade you, that there's nothing that that you can do. But fortunately, you know those countries are, are mostly occupied fighting random wars and in other places and exploiting their own citizens as opposed to going around invading places. Your right. best defense is not is not taking anyone off. <laughs> That's Absolutely. what it comes down I to a small, yeah, something yeah, small and, and like that. If you, stay, if you stay out of there, whatever um, you know, distance, and I know that those distances vary based on uh, whatever it is we're talking about. But if you stay out of the whatever you know, their their international waters, then they shouldn't have that big of a problem because you're not taking anything from them. Now I know that depends what you do, right? If if you have banks where, that anybody can transfer money through, you know, they'll have a problem with that. If people are producing drugs. And importing them into their countries will have a problem with that. I mean, my recommendation is that seasteads should fight for local autonomy, but not do things that impose on other countries' sovereignty. Not because of any moral principle, but just because that's that's you know what'll keep us from getting interfered with. But then again, the, the great thing about seasteading is it's this diverse thing, right? That's my recommendation, and any seastead I'm involved with will do that. But if somebody wants to go out there and you know make a seastead where they you know serve up movies on, on the Internet and, and grow drugs and smuggle them into the U.S. as, as their business plan, you know, we'll all see what happens. Yeah, that's not, that's not going to be great, but I, I can tell you banking is going to be some of the first – I mean, that's one of the first things that's going to happen is people are going to want to be – you know, have free banking and yeah. anonymous banking and, you know, to, to make a, a seastead where it, people can, you know, do that stuff. It would seem to me that that's one of the attractive things about uh, separating from another country would be that you could live your life how you want, but that seems to be also on the same – you know, that's the problem, as you're saying, is that it may attract uh, – it may attract governmental people to come in and try to shut 
you down or steal your uh, your property. I mean, you're talking about spending billions or whatever, how much money this will cost to create these platforms. Right. That's, and yes, you say you're going to put some sort of defensive mechanisms in there, but you also admit that if you know another big country wants to come in and do something to you, there's very little you could actually do about it. And it would seem that the reason for that is because of the concentration factor. I mean, you're con- you're so concentrated there out in that little platform that it wouldn't be too hard for you know a few gunboats and helicopters or or whatever to uh, obviously helicopters probably wouldn't be able to make the flight, but uh, but you know it wouldn't be hard for them to take you out. Whereas if you're dealing with a land-based situation as we are here in in New Hampshire, you have people spread out everywhere. You don't know where they all are as far as an actual uh, assault against a a land-based free uh, free place. It would be much more difficult. Um, So obviously I'm making a pitch for the Free State Project over the seasteading concept. I support it all. I I think if the result was going to be a guerrilla war in New Hampshire, I I think a lot of people – you know, might not want to move to New Hampshire and fight a guerrilla war. There. Right, I'm up for like, that. <laughs> I, I think it's less likely that something like that will happen on land. That's what I'm trying to say here. Is if you're if you're out on the sea, then you're just a you're a sitting duck. There's no duck. easy target. Yeah, <laughs> you're, 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 when you're scattered you and when you're scattered moving. No. You're, you think no. the U.S. is, is you think that the U.S. is is more likely to go interfere with my seastead city? 250 miles west of California than they are with what you do in New Hampshire. I didn't say who I, it would be. So. I didn't say it would be the U.S. I just said that somebody might come and if somebody comes and does well, something, I think we've got a, a lot better chance here. I don't believe it's going to happen because in New Hampshire. Well, why are we going through um, scenarios that uh, you know of, that are entirely unlikely? What do you mean? This is one of the constant objections we get to. It's a constant objection by paranoid uh, you know loons. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, wait a minute, Mark. What are you Mark, to do? It's it's my understanding there was to do, a, right? well. Well, hold on. It was my understanding that there was a – I don't know what the organization was, and I don't know when this happened. I've heard a story. I don't know Oceania. if it's even true. What's that? Oceania with the King of Tonga. The King of Tonga came in and essentially brought a gunboat or two over to a bunch of uh, liberty-minded people that had gone and you know, created their own country and, and took it over. You're missing a key of the story. The, the, they created this, this sandbar, artificial dredge. It wasn't even occupied. Right. The guy who had it dredged up, nobody was there. They went to an, un- to, an, to an artificial sandbar that had been created that was completely unpopulated. They planted a flag. They played the anthem and left. And then it sank back, you know, it sank back into the sea because the guy gave up on it. There was no invasion. Okay. Well, so, I appreciate you so clearing now, that with, up. With respect to the Free State Project, I mean, I want to point out, so maybe some big country will get mad at us and try to interfere if we're out in the ocean. But I guarantee you that if you try to do a New Hampshire – a lot of the things that, that I would like to have legal on a seastead, I guarantee you that the U.S. government would come. I mean, you know, in terms of – I mean, I think it sucks that we have to take this risk. I think it sucks that we have to, like, worry about cracking down on people in our seasteads for, you know, say, growing drugs and exporting to the U.S. I mean, I, I don't I think want what that, Ian but is, I want as much freedom as we can get and not more. I think what Ian is saying is that, yes, they might get angry over something like that, but the fact that we're scattered over a large land mass and there's no head of the snake to cut off. That's, I think that's the the defense that he's talking about, as opposed to being in a relatively small, isolated place and everyone packed together. I think we should, I, you I, just launch one missile. I totally and, agree. <laughs> if it, I totally agree. If it comes to like shooting, a, you know, a shooting war, I would much rather be in New Hampshire with a warm coat than on a seastead. A seastead is a total thing target, but I think it's much less likely to come to a shooting war if we're outside, you know, 300 miles away. 
if you're inside the U.S. territory, they really care what you do. And like you said, you're avoiding things like uh, that with it would really tick off a country, like like maybe selling things that they are that's contraband to them and things like that. But, well, in the, but I mean, the things we're avoiding. I mean, the things that we're going to do are things you can't do in New Hampshire. Like, let alone the things that that we're avoiding, right? I mean, we're just we're, we're comparing options that that are not perfect. There is no place where you can go and you know say do heroin in the streets and grow heroin for export. So, you know, utopia is not an option. On the seastead, you may be able to do heroin in the streets, but not grow it for export. In New Hampshire, you can do neither. I think that this is uh, th- that's really a subject for the fiction writers to, um, to 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 beat out for the last uh, for the next two decades, because there's there is no answer to that particular question. And to go there, I I don't think is going to solve anything. My um, question on this is: now these seasteads have to cost a buttload of money. What's the uh, what's the entry fee for for me if I really want to be free and I want to get into the the seasteading program? And then why not? Not buy a cruise ship and just have uh, you know lead, uh, the Liberty Cruise Lines and uh, you know have your freedom that way. Great question. So the cost. So we, we're still finishing up our first design, but we think the cost is going to be uh, a couple hundred dollars per square foot for kind of the extra cost of the platform and being on the ocean. So it's with the cost of building on top of it. It's about what houses in expensive places like the San Francisco Bay Area are. So a couple hundred, um, a couple that, hundred dollars a square foot for building? Uh, that plus, that's kind of the, the base platform, plus the house that you build on top of it. So okay. say 400 bucks a square foot. 400 bucks a square foot. 500 bucks a square foot. But now that's, that's version one, which is very expensive and I think is going to be for kind of office, park, hospital, that kind of thing. In the long run, like it's this breakwater technology that has the potential to make it really cheap. Because with the breakwater, you get calm water inside uh, that's, you know, it's almost free to build on. I mean, we already before we build something, we pour a concrete foundation. Inside a breakwater, you just make a, a hollow concrete box that floats. But the downside is, I mean, you need a city, you know, we're, we're still working on engineering, but somewhere probably in the billions to tens of billions is how big the whole city is. So Dollars? we're trying to take a step-by-step approach. Square yeah. feet. Dollars. Okay. So we're trying to take a step-by-step approach where, you know, we're encouraging people to start businesses on ships to begin with. Then we're going to try to build one of these office parks. You know, the good thing is if we can make money, you know, 15 miles from one U.S. city with selling medical services and other things, then, you know, we can do the same thing. It scales really well. We can build them, you know, off, off every coastal city and kind of build up the industry step-by-step until it's big enough to, to, to fund an actual, you know, kind of big free city out there. For, for the other question on, on the cruise ship, it's a question of whether you want to be creating kind of a nation of floating nomads or a floating Hong Kong or Manhattan. I mean, basically, ships are cheaper. They're easier at the beginning, but they, they don't turn into a city. It's, you can't just, you know, attach a bunch of ships together. Bad things happen in the waves. Oh, is that Whereas so? Because I, I have attached boats together before. And, um, you know, so I was wondering. Little boats. Little boats. Out, yes, in, the, out in the deep ocean during a storm? Yep. I mean, you, you, you definitely, you, you, can't, you can do it at, at a small scale, but it, it doesn't deal with weather well. Oh, I see. Um, I wasn't saying yes um, that I have done that. I've lashed boats, little boats together. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm sorry uh, that if I would have communicated that, I was just saying yes. Right. Go on. Um, Got it. Yeah. The, so, that's, so, so that's it. And we often get that question about ships. And and honestly, I encourage people who are interested in this and and who are entrepreneurs 
to, to consider ship-based businesses right now. I'm actually, um, you know, outside the Seasteading Institute, uh, as, as a private individual, I'm working with a couple of ventures trying to set up ship-based businesses, because I think that's, that's the way to start. But it's just, it doesn't turn into a city. I mean, you get a bunch of nomads. Very interesting. So... Yeah, I was just I'm just trying to decide. You know, it would seem like if people people the idea is to offer people liberty, right? Um, the and and certain types of liberty you wouldn't offer them banking liberty, as it were. You wouldn't offer uh, the liberty to you know export uh, illicit substances, is what uh, you're saying. So, what kind of liberties could one not get on Freedom Cruise Line that one could get in seasteading for a lot more money? I, I don't think that there's a, much of a difference in the in the level of liberties. It's that Freedom Cruise Lines is, is only ever going to be, you know, 5,000 people, whereas Liberty City can become Hong Kong. I, I hear that Hong Kong would, is, is a great it's a great thing to aspire to. There are many places in the uh, United States where you know, for instance, the bush of, uh, of of Alaska, where they get around by planes. I mean, how much how difficult would it be to have uh, a, a fleet of Liberty Cruise Lines and just helicopter back and forth if you want to make these um, you know these these sort of nomadic cities as opposed to more stationary cities that you're talking about? Uh, it, it could work. Um, there's a so there's there's two two issues that come to mind. One of them is um, the, the economic research on cities, why cities are rich and why they generate so much wealth, and how it depends on this density of people and density of networks. The other thing is ships are going to be a lot cheaper than the uh, pillar platforms that I'm talking about that we'll have to start with initially. Yeah. But I believe that when it comes to the big city, these breakwaters. It'll be as cheap as living on land. Well, and there's a practical aspect, too. Of if you've got a ship, it's got to go into port somewhere to get repairs done and things like that. So if you, if you need to fix the hull of the ship, you're going to have to take it somewhere. Whereas if you have a city, then it's just there and all everything. I think they could do there. most repairs at sea if they had to. What sorts of uh, resources um, might these cities have either instead of or, you know, instead of – or um, uh, yeah. I, Instead of maybe instead of a land city, like you know, is there something about being at sea that you can benefit from? Like I, I thought I'd uh, there's some city I think that Japan was designing that would uh, that would get all of its power from the water from high, you know, it would be hydropower. Uh-huh. Is that have you looked into stuff like that for powering the city? Yeah, th- there is a pretty cool technology for um, for getting power in the ocean. I mean the there's two parts of bad news. One is that it works best near the equator, which is, you know, not a great place to be in terms of, of commuting distance to first world countries. And the other bad news is that it doesn't scale down. It has to be has to be like tens or hundreds of millions. But yeah, it's called OTEC, and it basically uses the temperature differential between the warm surface water and the cool deep water to generate energy. Hmm. So oh. it's a pretty cool technology, but it's you know you you have to be big enough to be buying. A $250 million power plant, um, and it, you know there's there's been renewed interest in it lately with all the you know peak oil worries and oil prices so high last year. So, um, I, I'm sorry, Patrick. Um, so now you would be the person to answer on the the side of seasteading on this question. Let's uh, suppose two scenarios here. Um, one where I am uh, currently in New Hampshire, uh, you know. Uh, financially invested in New Hampshire, and one where I am not uh, financially invested in New Hampshire, but am sick of the way the world is going, why should I pick seasteading over the Free State Project? All of it, as mean as you can get. 
I think that you should pick both. I mean, I my my problem, you know, to be honest, is, is with people who think that by you know spreading the word about Ron Paul or or printing more copies of Economics in One Lesson or you know yelling about what the Constitution says, thinks that that will ever change anything. I think that is a total waste of time, and I think the libertarian movement needs to. I mean, we, we, we look at the government and we look at how it works poorly and we say, hey, look, the government works poorly. Why don't libertarians look at the government and say, this government that works so poorly is incredibly stable. These politicians, they don't govern well, but they're really good at entrenching their power. And just complaining about it is never going to do anything. And, and I think, I think that's, that's a huge blind spot in libertarianism. And I think that both the Free State Project and Seasteading address that. I think I think the Free State Project is much lower risk, lower reward, and seasteading is high risk, high reward. Um, but I think that if the libertarian movement – I mean, maybe seasteading won't work. I think if the libertarian movement found a dozen projects that were high risk, high reward, that you know, actually had a chance of, kind of, of structurally changing things so that liberty happened, as opposed to just hoping that you know, a libertarian wave will sweep the nation and invested in all of them, then you know, one of them would definitely happen. I, I wish that I knew – of more of them. But um, if you're in New Hampshire, I would stay in New Hampshire, do the Free State Project, you know, join the Seasteading Institute, keep tabs on us, and, and see whether we actually build a city. Um, if you don't live in New Hampshire, I think it depends on, it depends on, on your risk-reward taste. You know, if you have a family and, you know, you have a, a career that won't really work out on the ocean that you've invested a lot into, you know, hey, go to New Hampshire and join the Free State Project and, you know, keep tabs on us and, and, and hope that we succeed. This I think it's really... definitely something people will be keeping tabs on. I think it's an interesting project. I wish it the best of success. And if it does work out, who knows? If it's not working out in New Hampshire, maybe we'll end up going out to sea. Uh, but my question uh, here is, what is the time frame looking like? I mean, you're talking about getting this uh, initial platform out there. Uh, what are you guys looking at as far as how long is this going to take? Our current, we're, we're working on a strategy. Our current goal is 100,000 people in 25 years living on seasteads on the ocean. Okay, but what's, but, but what's the first step? How long until the platform, the first platform that holds uh, 25 people or whatever it is that you're planning on having, how many, however many people it's supposed to hold, how long until you get to that point? I'd say five to ten years. So within five to ten years. Okay. Yeah, I don't see why you can't build a you know it, it's it's really just about money. I don't see why yeah. you couldn't build That's one correct. of these seasteading things. Um, it, you know, it's about the, the the amount that people are willing to invest. And if, exactly, if if you could talk to people with enough money. Don't bother talking to me. Um, if you, you know, if you talk to people with enough money, they can go ahead and uh, help you, you know, help you create this place, and it would be worth it for them from a, you know, tax standpoint, freedom standpoint, mm -hmm. at some point or another. Now, I don't know enough about international tax law to know whether it's a good idea to be a United States citizen or, or whether it's a good idea to be a, a citizen of, uh, you know, someplace in Europe or, or Micronesia. Not the or United States. Yes, the, I hear United, the United States, States is one of the worst countries to be a citizen of. The United States is one of the only countries in the world that taxes people, even if they live in a different country and work in a different country. We're one of like three countries that does that. Mm -hmm. One of the worst citizenships for tax purposes. But, yeah, I mean, that's what we're doing. The Seasteading Institute was founded with a half-million-dollar grant from Peter Thiel, who is a libertarian billionaire um, and interested in seeing this happen. And like you said, somebody could write a check right now and make it happen. But the thing is, people with a lot of money, they want to see the concept proven, 
you know, stage by stage. So that five to 10 years is not, you know, we could build it right now if someone gave us the money. It's five to 10 years of, you know, growing the movement and starting with small business models and showing that, you know, say a ship that leaves San Diego and does surgeries for a quarter of the cost of of what they are in a hospital can make money and then a bigger ship and adding more business models. And, you know, it's just, it's proving the concept. I think it's a great idea, well, and cool. I, I hope yeah. to see it happen sooner rather than later. I mean, even if all you get in the beginning is some sort of medical facility, it'll be – I mean, the, the amount it's of people superior. that go out there will be tremendous. It'll be a tremendous moneymaker. Um, and, of course, I, I think that that could result in the feds wanting to uh, to do something if, uh, you know, you're kind of competing with the established business interests. But uh, obviously we've already covered that ground. Yeah. Um, Maybe you could get funding by advertising on Free Talk Live and reaching uh, uh, 500,000 uh, liberty-minded individuals. I'm well, he's kidding. getting this uh, for free, actually, <laughs> this true. interview here. And where can people Excellent. go to learn more about this? Uh, our website, uh, seasteading.org, S-E-A-S-T-E-A-D-I-N-G, has tons of info. We'll be rolling out a membership program in the next month or so. How long do you think it would be? Another question about length of time. Obviously, you're looking at creating this platform. It's more of a business platform to kind of proof of concept. Let's say you do that. The concept is proven. You begin expanding out. How quickly would you say that somebody with a family and a you know just a small business would be able to move out? Are we talking 20 years, 15, 10? Yeah, I I would say probably 15 to 20 years is realistic. So then which maybe is about when. Uh, the last of my kids will probably be heading out to college. So, so this is a long-term project. Right. This is a long-term project, and the New Hampshire Free State Project is also a long-term project as well. However, with the, at least with the Free State Project, people can go ahead and move now. You can come here now. You can get That's active right. for liberty now. We can start moving things in the right direction. And then, you know, maybe by the time the uh, the right. seasteading... Then we'll know whether or not it worked or failed, right. and then perhaps seasteading will be around at that point. Right. Maybe seasteading will kind of really kind of pick up, and, and you guys can uh, register your citizenship in New Hampshire. You know the free land of New Hampshire, or something like that. Who right. knows what'll uh, right. what'll come from right. that? So, and so like you yeah, said, you can do both. You can you can take advantage of the free state now, or or you can you know pay a lot of taxes and enjoy some nice weather and uh, keep working on sea sitting. We have nice weather two or three months out of the year. Oh, shut up! Mark. <laughs> it's beautiful during the we spring and the fall here. That's we what I'm talking about. Twelve months of the year, sadly. Yeah. Hey, uh, thank you for coming on the show tonight, Pontry. Appreciate the time, and I guess uh, a lot of us are going to be seeing you at the New Hampshire Liberty Forum because apparently the Free State Project has uh, reached out to the Seasteading Institute as well as Free State Wyoming, and so the other movements of con- uh, converging liberty lovers in one location, uh, one geographic area, will be all represented at the upcoming yeah, Liberty I'm Forum. I'm very interested in it. I'm Pontry. Your, your uh, seminar is where I'm going to be because I am very interested in this and, you know, seeing how it goes and what's happening. I only want what works. I only want what's going to, you know, be the best for me and my family. And if you manage to pull that off, I'm, I'm there with you. Any other thoughts for us tonight, awesome. Puntry? Hey, all I want is what's best for me and my family. And, you know, I wouldn't be committing to something that was going to take 20 years if I thought there was an, there was an easier way to get really radical increases in liberty. So I hope people come to the the Liberty Forum and check out our website and uh, give us a fair hearing. And, you know, we're all people who are trying to not just talk about liberty, but actually make it happen. And I'd love to talk to anybody who feels that way. Great. Thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. I really appreciate it. Patry Friedman from the Seasteading Institute. Good night. All right. So we're done for tonight, gents, and we'll see you guys on the next edition of Free Talk Live, freetalklive.com.
DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 